Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Online at InThisLeague.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Interact and follow the show on Twitter at InThisLeaguePod. Now, here's your hosts, Bogman and the Welsh. And welcome in to the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's episode 88, and today it is the Bell Blanks Koch episode. Right. <laughs> Kick ass. Yes, coming off the heels of the awesome Dan Otero Bogman. What would Dan Otero do? What would Dan Otero do if he was here right now? He let in an inherited run or two. That's what, would what Dan, Dan Otero, Otero do? do. Well, today uh, we are belling, we are blanking, and we are coaching as uh, there are only 12 players in Major League Baseball history that wore number 88. Amazing, by the way, that only one ever won 87, but 12 wore 88. Albert Bell did it for two seasons in 99 and 2000. Kyle Blanks for three teams, has done it. That's all he wears for some reason. Was he born in 88? It must have been born in 88. I think that Albert Bell probably has made more money combined than every other player that wore 88. Absolutely. Here, I'll give them to you real quick. Kyle Blanks, Jim Bruschi, Paul Carey, Rene Gonzalez, Billy Koch, Josh Outman. That was as recent as uh, 2014. Josh Paul, Mike Ramsey, Ryan Thompson, Dave Wainhouse, and Rick White. I'm um, looking at this. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the earliest person to ever wear it was '87. It was Mike Ramsey and Rene Gonzalez. So uh, there you go. So '88 was first worn in '87. First worn in '88 was first worn in '87. Thank you. That's not going to get confusing whatsoever. Uh, but it is episode '88? The bell. The bell blanks. Koch. Try to say that uh, a million times fast. I can't bell say it once. Koch. But uh, bell blanks. Koch. Bell Blanks Koch episode, and it is brought to you by our good friends over at No Halftime. As you are getting ready, as baseball season coming out, the All-Star break is winding down a little bit. You can make sure it never simmers down where you can go player versus player against maybe your buddies or someone you don't know for cash or for free with the No Halftime app. Go check it out at nohalftime.com. You can download the app right there for your Apple or your Android device. They've got baseball. they got football. they got basketball, hockey, PJ, whatever sports going on. You can set up your No Halftime challenge by doing it right there. Player versus player, I don't care who it is. You can do any type of matchup. You could do Paul Goldschmidt versus Charlie Black. I'm terribly sorry. I don't know why I can't stop saying Black. The word black. Black. You could do... Uh, uh, here's one tip for you. If any human being puts a challenge of Patrick Corbin out there, you take it. <laughs> you pick any yeah. player. 
Yeah, Anyone. any player. Or you can't can't do Billy Burns because he's not in the bigs anymore. <laughs> not Billy Burns. Oh no, we suck again. But any other player that someone sets up where they want to take Patrick Corbin, you take it and you can go win some money. And when you do it, use the promo code once you download the app. ITL It's going to get you ten free bucks, which is that's pretty damn awesome. Plus, I think they still got those T-shirts when you make your first deposit. So you just got to shoot them an email when you make your first deposit. But it's a win-win. You're getting money using the promo code ITL. You can swipe left, swipe right for any of those challenges. It does it for all the sports. So, uh, you know, don't worry just about baseball season. You can set it up all year long. It is no halftime and nohalftime.com where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. The Welsh, let me ask you something. Do you ever have, like, the memory of the first time you saw a player? Because I have that for Kyle Blanks. I do too. Um, I actually remember I saw early game. Yes. Okay. Sorry to answer your question. Yes, I have memories of the first time I saw players. I have very vivid ones. The one that jumps out to me is actually Carlos Quinton. Okay. And this was in a major. Are you talking like the first time you saw them in a major league game? Or just no, ever? like this is the first time you ever saw them. Okay, because I was going to say, I remember I was working at a sports radio station, and I was just, I was all hyped on Carlos Quinton. I had seen him before, though, but I was all hyped on him, and I, I was like, he's going to hit a bomb tonight, and they bet me wouldn't happen, and he did, and I walked into the station, like, you know that meme <laughs> of uh, Vince McMahon who walks out and people superimpose their heads on? I walked into the radio station like that, like, what's up, motherfucker? What's up? What's up, Miss Tasty? What's up? What's up? Carlos Quentin. <laughs> but yes, no, I uh, I definitely have had that where the first time you see a player, you're like, wow. And I bet Kyle Blanks, he definitely, <laughs> he puts that to you. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Blanks, I, I, I think he was on the Padres, and I was like, holy crap, who is Gigantor here? And my buddy Joe was, was cracking up because I called him Gigantor. Gigantor. And he hit a home run, and it was just one of those hardest hit balls you've yep. ever seen in your life. It was in the Maryvale in uh it was the Brewers versus the Padres, I'm pretty sure. And he almost hit a light tower. And I also have that with the matchup you just mentioned if with Goldie and Charlie Blackman. They were Black, both Black. minor league players. And uh yeah, I think it was twenty eleven when the uh Salt River Fields opened. And it was the very first game there and it was a it was a one run lead for the the Rockies and Paul Goldschmidt just annihilated. Here, I got a murder ball. You a ball that hit a light pole. It's an interesting and, thing when you when you go through those experiences of like 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 when is especially when you see a player live like because it's, right. it's hard for me to say like I remember the first time I saw Kyle Blanks live it was here in Chase Field. And he murderballed something over left. And that was he on just, opening day. It was right? opening day, and he killed it. And it was the first point. Him live. and Agon went back to back. I remember that game too because yeah. I was I was there with you. Yeah, him him and Agon went back to back for San Diego. Yeah, and then Charlie Blackman came up and and hit a homer the next inning in extra innings. And I think the Rockies either won or the Diamondbacks tied it in the bottom of the tenth, and that was it because it was spring training. But uh, but yeah, I also remember the first time uh, we saw Prince Fielder. Do you remember that? Um, and there's not a chance that Prince Fielder is taller than me. No, and no. you kept saying that. Yes, you were like, he I do is shorter than you. I'm pretty sure he's shorter than you. I do You're actually remember that. With your crooked finger, I remember that. <laughs> the, <laughs> the one, actually, you know what the one that stands out to me the most is when you and I saw Houston Street. I, it was years and obviously yeah. years ago when the A's drafted Houston Street from UT. We were at a spring training game and he happened to pitch in it, and we were like Houston Street. And I think it was like you know the year that he it was like the the next spring training after he got drafted, and we were super stoked about Houston Street. And he came well, up. I was, and was really good. drunk. I, I I remember standing up and going, 
Hook'em Houston! And he like looked over in my direction. I don't think he saw me, but he looked over like he heard me saying it. Oh, yeah. It, and I was, uh, yeah, you were driving. Yeah, I, I, yeah I used to do that. But uh, yeah, you know, I like when you drive now. It makes it a lot easier. All right, let's get into it. Bell Blanks Koch episode. I gave you all the players. Uh, haven't had one since 2015, Kyle Blanks. I mean, as long as he comes up, he can continue the 88s. Not much further we can go. Wonder, you ever think, last thing, do you ever think a jersey is going to have a triple-digit number on it? You think we'll ever get there? Yes. Is that space I talk? I mean, I don't know if we'll get there, uh, but they're going to have to at some point. Like these, these numbers are going to be retired. Like, is so. it just where someday, like you know, there's going to be 134? Man, he was the best wide receiver we've ever seen. Number 134. It's going to be like, uh, it's going to be like in Futurama with the new New York Mets, where you know they're like uh, 17 and three quarters is their number. Like, what's you the know, year? What's 18 the eighteen and a half? Like, what's the year that this happens? Like, I don't know if this happens in our lifetime. Do you think it does? Nah, like a hundred years from now. Okay. Maybe 200 years from now. When there's no more planet? Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll all be dead anyway, so who cares? Okay, there you go. Uh, positive tone. All right, everyone uh, listening to this will be dead in two hundred. I don't know. Someone give me. I, I'd love to know who. Like, wh- what year does people think that's that's going to happen? Can we ask, like, Major League Baseball that? I want to. You know what we should have done? I should have asked Eno to ask this because uh, one of the things we have on this episode today, episode 88, we've actually got two great guests. Uh, first and foremost, we have Jason Collette, who you've heard on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, does stuff for Rotowire. We had Jason on last year, great dude. Uh, but also, I was able on his, uh, as he called it, the kind of whore out tour, the interview for his awesome new book, A Baseball Lover's Guide to Craft Beer. Uh, we had Eno on. You've probably heard him on lots of podcasts lately. But when I was messaging him, I got him on not only to promote that we want to promote our friends and what they're doing, but there was a very specific reason I ended up doing it was because it was going around Twitter. Not a lot of pub got about it, but Steve Gardner tweets about it. He says, never a dull moment when Eno's around. And apparently, um, I, I'm going to let the interview talk about it. I'm going to let Eno talk about it. But uh, he, he kind of insulted uh, the commissioner. Well, don't want to sound like a dick or nothing, but uh, it says on your chart that you f***ed up. <laughs> he had I, uh, he had runway yeah, with the commissioner. I, I heard about that, and uh, you know it's uh, it's funny because the specific thing he was asking got a commissioner fired in Japan. Oh yeah, he talks about that on here. So uh, I, I I conducted a, a fun interview with Eno. It's coming up in just a little bit. He was at the All Star game. Uh, he was actually out on the field and stuff. So you're going to hear like people talking around him. But uh, we're going to talk about a few of his latest articles. We're going to talk about that incident with uh, with the commissioner, which you know we could have had him ask, "Hey, when's the first triple digit number guy going to happen?" And uh, and then also he's going to talk about the book, which you guys can check out. And he's got a little promo code for you guys also if you're looking to get it: a baseball lover's guide to craft beer. So that's coming up in just a little bit. And then after that, like I said, it's actually we we all, we just got spore on the episode, and we would have had the entire sleeper in the bus cast <laughs> right oh man we got to find a way to wrangle up spore for like two minutes at the end or something yeah i know yeah let's go do it let's go call him <laughs> all right uh we're gonna get into this we've got top five we've got listener questions uh we're skipping out on the waivers because it, it's tbd everything is tbd right yeah everybody because we just came back from from the all-star break uh, i was looking at the schedule and everybody for next weekend or you know the upcoming weekend here is tbd 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 because there's so much changes going on in the rotations a bunch of guys getting hurt coming back from the rest so uh there's no point in us giving you a no. bunch of pitchers that we don't know who are pitching you gotta Just go get a don't an... pick up 
Patrick Corbin. Yeah, don't pick up Patrick Corbin. Get an ointment for your TBD, and uh, we can talk about that. So we're going to skip that for Eno. And then the last thing to tell you before we get into the top five, if you're a football guy, if you've ever been interested in football, if you've always been interested into football, go check out the ITL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's breaking off. We Our latest episode, we just talked about a whole bunch of giveaways we're going to be doing with the ITL Army. So if you're already part of it, you're going to already be locked in. But if uh, you haven't quite jumped over to the football podcast, we've got a bunch of giveaways we're doing, listener leagues that are happening. The episodes are so much fun. So much fun. We just want you guys to know. We are having fun doing this draft. It's not stressful. It's fun. It's fun. It's the funnest thing we've ever done in fundum. It's so fun. Uh, you can have so much fun over at the ITL Fantasy Football Podcast as we're doing this, but it's a baseball podcast. We got a whole bunch to get to. Eno, Colette, your questions, and the top five, which is happening right now. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time, it works every time. All right, Bogman, the top five as we uh, come off of the All Star break, it is over. John Carlos Stanton won the home run derby in impressive, impressive fashion. The game was boring as sh- because that's what it is, <laughs> and had its lowest ratings of all time in a long time. Maybe not all time in a long time. Eric it was Co- pretty bad. Eric Cosmer won the All Star Game MVP. All of it was boring. People were chanting Mark. You know why? You know it was awful because people were chanting Mark Trumbo. I actually talked about Trumbo uh, with Eno <laughs> a little bit. People got so excited about Adam Duvall and Mark Trumbo. That's the beginning of the end. You know what the the home run derby reminds me of? It reminds me of when the dunk contest started to go down remember when all the all-stars the, the home running? run derby is good i will not let you uh, no, no, no. disparage the home run derby it is but remember right. when the dunk contest all the good players stopped going in it and then all of a sudden it was like you know gerald green was winning back-to-backs and it was fail mcgee when the ho- the the home run derby <laughs> the dunk contest one year it's the same thing you can call it whatever you want it's the same thing i think we're on the downturn of the home run derby where it's not exciting anymore yeah we're not we're on we the are. upturn of the home run derby. we're absolutely not adam duvall and mark of- trumbo were in it uh, people were chanting trumbo I-, I want you to do this nope. i want you to go back and i want you to watch the 2010 home run derby mm. and just compare it to this year's home run derby just do that and you will understand that we're definitely on the upturn. What was the 2010 one? It was uh, David Ortiz and Hanley Ramirez was the final round in Anaheim. When was the Bobby Abreu one? That was like 2007. Was I feel like that was the last good one. That I mean, it's not. It's just not. It there, there have been some really good ones. Uh, but uh, hasn't been good like, since Michael Jordan stuck his tongue out and yeah, dunked, that's dunked the home run. run. It's not true at all, you elitist prick. Uh, it's not true. It's just not not the okay. way it is. It's uh, there's there's been some really good ones. It's just you know you, you're you're being an old man. Why are you being such an old man? I, like, I want to ah, like the home run derby. Back it's- in my day, the stuff was so much better. It's horrible now with the Trumbos and the Stantons. It's just I don't I don't like it, dude. When the best players don't want to play in it, why should I watch it? Goldschmidt doesn't want to play in it. Giancarlo Stanton is the best home run hitter in the game. Dude, Giancarlo Stanton needed 61 home runs. Dude, that's the most hit. He had had more hits in the home run derby than he's going to have all season. There was more home runs hit in the home run derby. I can't even say it with a straight face. There was more home runs hit in the the first round of the home run derby than have been hit in San Diego all year long. Yeah, and that's what led to actually, you know, well, not that, but, you know, talking about the home run thing with Manfred. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I I think it's fun. I I think the home run derby is so much better than the all-star game. It's not even funny. Like, the rest of the all-star crap. I agree with that. that The all-star game is trash. 
The future game, the future's game is fine. Like it's great, it's, it's not really a, a good game. Oh, but, dude, they're uh, trying. Young kids are trying. Absolutely, that's, it, but that's it's where guys it's at. never seen play. So, but like you know, Jose Fernandez talking about how he's going to groove fastballs to David Ortiz and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Like that makes the All Star game not fun. Like uh, I don't know. I, I almost feel like the All Star game, like the baseball All Star game, would be better served to do what the NFL did a couple years ago where they had like two team captains and then they picked teams. You know what I mean? Fantasy. Uh, it's supposed to be like fantasy baseball. I mean, I don't know if that would make it better, but it would make it different. You know, it'd be like great? what they did with the home run derby, the home run derbies have been kind of boring and they added the clock and the clock has made it much better. Mm, I think you and I should get to choose the all-star game. We'll be the managers. They should let people just normal people manage. And just regular guys. Yeah, just you and me. You do the okay. AL, I'll do the NL. Well, I want John Lester because my clubhouse has to have fried chicken and beer. You know what would make the the home run derby better is if actual pitchers were pitching like real pitches in. That would make it more fun. If like Clayton Kershaw came up and he was slinging or in they fastballs, could just play a baseball game. Yeah, you or know. they could just not play. They could just not do it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, whatever. John Carlos Stanton, who's barely hitting over two hundred, hit sixty one homers. Uh, apparently it was really impressive and people are excited. Eric Hosmer, Bogman's favorite, won the All-Star Game MVP. Boy, good times. Hey, old man River, zip it or I'll break your hip. Good Yeah, no, times. it was good. It's not bad just because you didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah, so. good times. All right, number two, more exciting stuff. The Astros kind of shockingly uh, put it to everybody when you didn't think this could happen. Let me see if I, I, you know, I heard his pronunciation, but it's out of my head right now. Ulieski Guriel. Uh, that sounds Guriel? right. Guriel. I can't I think believe. Ulieski Guriel, I think. I can't believe that sounds right from you. Ulieski Guriel. Guriel. Yeah, I think that's Guriel. what Guriel. Guriel. Uh, Guriel, who um, he's got a younger brother. I think it's Lourdes. It looks like Lourdes. Uh, he's like a 21-year-old. Uh, he is the 32-year-old man from Cuba. He's a third baseman. He signed with the Astros, and not a lot of people expected it. And the big question that happened was, the guy's a third baseman. What the F, Astros? Because you have Alex Bregman, who Alex Bregman was a homer away from the cycle at the uh, Futures game, which, by the way, that is exciting. That is exciting stuff, Alex Bregman almost going for the cycle. But... We got a little bit of information as it looks like Ulieski is going to be playing, they said, three weeks to a month in the minors, and it looks like he's going to be playing left field. So I don't think it affects Bregman at all. I think Bregman is the future third baseman, and they're going to play uh, Ulieski in the outfield. So Ulieski is going to go the outfield. Bregman's going to play third. That's how it's going to go? That's what I, uh, that's the last thing that I read was, like, that seems to be the setup. Let me see if I can find... Uh, I, by the way, I did like that you called Ulieski the 32-year-old Cuban man. You sounded like a reporter. Like, he's been... Uh, it's you know, been reported. It's been reported a 32-year-old Cuban man has stolen a car. That he uh, got into the United States of America. Uh, they're saying, yeah, let's see. According to John Morrissey of Fox Sports, uh, probably not coming up till mid-August, so that's really going to be... I uh, heard the mid-August part. I just didn't hear that he's moving to the outfield and Bregman's going to stick at third. Well, I see that's that. been everyone's concern, like because you know, like like we mentioned, and a bunch of other sources have mentioned too. Bregman is like a stone's throw away from the bigs. He's crushing He's a triple star. A. He crushed double A. He crushed the futures game. There's not not a whole lot left for him to do down there. So he's got to come up at some point soon. 
and we thought he's going to play third, and then the Astros signed this third baseman. So what you're saying is Bregman will play third, or yes. and Yulieski will play the outfield, or just switch them. And someone will play third, someone will play the outfield, but they'll both be with the Astros soon. Um, yeah, you can say it like that. I'm I'm going to hold to what I saw and that that's what's going to happen, that what's going to okay. go down, that, that Ulyaski's going to be in the outfield. Sounds like he could be left where, you know, because here's what they do. Here's all that they do, dude, is Gaddis becomes a full-time catcher, Colby Rasmus becomes a full-time DH, and you have a spot in left field for um, uh, Gur- Guriel. I'm not saying his name because I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, Gur- yeah, Guriel goes into left field. and then, 32-year-old Cuban man in left field. He's been spotted in left field in Houston. <laughs> report. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Breg- Bregman's going to probably be up in a week. Like, I honestly think by the end of this week, Bregman is going to be up. He's going to be up before him, and then that's going to be your lineup, and it's going to be absolutely ridiculous with power hitters. The interesting thing where people are trying to figure out what to do is, like, Ulyeski is he's an unknown. He's a, he's a man. He's a man. 32 <laughs> well, years old. He, he, it's, it's kind of like Hector Oliveira, except hopefully is a better person. Uh, right. Well, he's played, uh, I believe he's played for Cuba for all of the World Baseball Classics. And I'm watching, I have on my television the rundowns on it. They just flashed his Cuban stats. Uh, in 49 games last year, he hit 500 with 15 homers. Yeah, I mean, he's not a big dude. So if you're looking for power, six foot 175, I bet some, I bet some power is going to play. You know, the contact's going to bring power in Houston. Uh, Hell, Altuve has 15 homers in Houston. So yeah, it's just know. I don't think he's going to hit super high in the lineup. So if you're making that consideration, but he's not even available in player pool. So he's going to be a waiver situation. If I had a top waiver spot, sure. I mean, if you were making me choose between Bregman and and Ulyeski, it's Bregman a thousand times over. But I would want both of these players. I think they're both going to be there. But um, you know, Ulyeski might not be. He's going to be a guy that's probably going to be close to your playoff run. You know, he's not going to be up before that. Bregman, like we had talked about for a while, Bregman's coming up soon. If we are if we go into August and he's not up, I will be very surprised. Will you be Will you be upset if he's not up before next week's show? Yes, Bregman. I'll, I'll be, be I'll be pretty upset. I won't be like fuming if if the following show he is uh, all hell's I'm break. What's what's worse? Um, he comes up neck in two weeks and he's wearing like a normal number. Oh no, here you or go. Or he comes up in a week and he's wearing like number ninety two. I'll hate him. I'll hate him <laughs> unless he wears number eighty seven. Unless he unless he. Um, he honors Jones the great Dan, Dan Otero. Unless he honors the great Dan Otero, I will hate him uh, for wearing it. Please just wear like 12. <laughs> Don't wear 64. Oh, please oh. wear 97. I'll tell you. Oh, my God. It, I'll love him. If he wears a weird number, I will love him. 60s and 70s bother me more than anything. If a player comes to the major leagues and wears a 60 or a 70 like Puig wearing 66, that just pisses me off that is just you're just taking a dump in everybody's face is the rumor true that you don't watch college football because kickers wear 99 is that true <laughs> no no that's not oh, okay. true just that's to make sure. that's not true at all that's a rumor going around i don't know who spread that yeah but, uh, spread, well, mike concho spreading his butt cheeks uh, 
Uh, by the way, the another one to talk about. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, Guriel there, but uh, Reynaldo Lopez, a player I've loved for a long time with the Nationals, getting called up. Actually, as we're recording this, I believe he's pitching Monday, so this is kind of after the facts. This is a little bit of info you're going to get after, but uh, reaching a hundred, he is he's made strides for the last three years. I had him on our our Bogman minor league roster for a long time. Finally, getting the call, I've got him in our dynasty league. I had heard he was going to be a bullpen arm because he was a, he's able to flash that 100 uh, when he goes one inning, but he's getting the call up to actually start. We'll have to see where all the injuries go. I wouldn't get super excited that he's going to be a starter rest of season because they, you know, I mean, they also have Giolito. Uh, they, they've got a lot of guys. He might get pushed to the bullpen, so it's questionable if you want to pick him up. I mean, if he if his start that just happened was, you know, five innings and nine strikeouts, and it was really successful, I would pick him up off off of spear speculation, but be prepared that he might get moved to the bullpen. Yeah, it's a difficult situation on what to do with with those guys. And and, uh, the next guy, Michael Conforto, he's coming back up after, right, like two days after they said, we have no plans to bring Michael Conforto up anymore. He's going to be in AAA, and then they bring him up the next day. You can never trust anything these guys say. But uh, Conforto coming up, and uh, so what I read is Cespedes wants to play left because he's kind of worn out. So Lagares is going to play center, but that leaves Nimmo in right. Well, Nimmo got optioned. Nimmo got optioned for Conforto? Yeah, Nimmo got optioned. I didn't see that. I just saw Conforto caught. So Conforto's going to play right, Cespedes left, and Lagares in center? That would be what they would do, yeah. Okay, well... Yeah. There you go. Then that solves that. I thought I thought Nimmo was still up. I I thought somebody went on the DL and they brought up. Conforto. Well, we got some Conforto conversation that happened to be a player that popped up with an uh, Eno conversation come up in a little bit. So you can look for more little tidbits there for Conforto. I like that. I would pick him up. I I I put a waiver claim on him in one league. So I like the turnaround. I think we talked about it a couple weeks. So be on the lookout for that. Reynaldo Lopez, Conforto, and Ulieski will be all uh, joining us. Ulieski at least will be joining us in about a month. Number three, Bogman. Uh, more trade rumors. We've got stuff. There were some false reports that actually were coming down last week. One even caught me. It was actually it was a freelance reporter with the with the Rangers that said Gallo was being moved to the Yankees for Andrew Miller, and it was oh. it was like, but it wasn't a fake account. She had like fifteen thousand followers, and she's a freelance reporter from the Rangers. But it happened to not be true. So this is trade time. After we had the Brad Ziegler trade, uh, the Rangers. Speaking of which, are interested also in starting pitchers. I believe there's conversation. Uh, Andrew Kashner, who's garbage and Matt Moore that would be an interesting one yeah so they've had you know Derek Holland just got moved from the 15 day to the 60 I think the same thing happened with Colby Lewis so it's been a lot of uh you know mix and mash you know Darvish just came off the the DL but they've had Hamels Darvish Martin Perez AJ Griffin in that lineup or in that rotation so they need they need some starting pitching. And they're leading in the AL West, but the, the Astros are hot on their heels. Astros are probably one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. So they got to make a move somewhere. Maybe we'll Hopefully ask, Gallo gets moved somewhere so he can get some damn playing time, well, right, the Welsh? Well, they said they were open to it. I saw a report that said Joey Gallo, uh, the Rangers were open to moving him. Like, when I saw the Gallo for Andrew Miller thing, though I thought the, the – um, uh, the Yankees were going to try to get more. It made sense to me. That was a move that completely made sense. That's why it was like, oh, yeah, this totally, I buy into this. But it's interesting seeing the Rays really taking some uh, some looks at some of their starting pitchers for trading, kind of as they usually do, Matt Moore being mentioned. Also, Chris Archer, though, 
it really seems like that is not going to happen, but he is getting scouted. They said scouted. all of their deals have been laughable that they've yeah. been offered. They're all laughable, and there's no way they're trading Chris Archer unless it's some overwhelming deal. They should probably talk to the Diamondbacks. You know, Ugh. if they want an overwhelming deal, yeah. Oh, nothing, well, they'll give a AAA pitcher. Well, no, they'll give an overwhelming deal for Matt Moore. <laughs> what should be traded for Chris Archer, the Diamondbacks would get for Matt Moore. Uh, God, because they're it awful. Should be funny. They do it's, awful. It makes me sad inside. Uh, Jeremy Jeffers, as we talked about, there are some rumors with the Mets and the Nationals. The Nationals are really, really locked in. If the Nationals don't get a Roldis Chapman which seems like that's the one that the Yankees are going to move. I think Jeffers does get moved to Washington, which sucks because then he probably is going to become a setup man. So I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, Chapman, though, would overseat Jonathan Papelbon as the closer if he were to go to Washington. So there's there's a lot of really weird closer situations to monitor, uh, even don't more you, reason to have the high-end ones. Don't you almost hope that happens to Papelbon since he made a big deal last year about having to be the closer don't you kind of hope that Chapman gets traded there to bump Papelbon down just to give him oh, kind sure. of a big middle finger? Absolutely. I think that'd be kind of funny. Also, And then today, Bryce Harper punch him in the face. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I think uh, Bryce Harper could punch Chapman in the face. Because, I mean, as bad as yeah. bad a dude as Papelbon is, you've never heard him firing off guns. That's you know, a great triple threat match, wife. by the way. Chapman, Papelbon, and Bryce Harper. That is like... To the death. I think Harper wins that pretty handily, though. You know, mm. Papelbon's an old man. He is fiery. Uh, Chapman's just so skinny. I don't know. I think I feel like Chapman's been through some <laughs> Yeah, he probably has. He yeah. probably has. You're probably right well, on that one. Also, uh, this this just came in, you know, right before we started recording that. The Royals have been talking to the Yankees about Carlos Beltran. Yeah, there was the report that the Yankees came out over the weekend was that they are going if they like if they don't turn things around, which doesn't look likely. They're going to trade guys like Carlos Beltran and Aroldis Chapman because Andrew Miller had really been, and he still is. I would not be shocked if they're trading both. To be honest with you, when you have Dylan Patances, go trade both of those and try to get a haul. The Indians are looking at Andrew Miller. Everyone, bottom line, everybody is looking at Andrew Miller. Um, the, you know, the Yankees are still pushing around trying to get Kyle Schwarber. I think both closers get traded. Uh, I really do. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, I, I think we could have a relatively active trade deadline. I think the Yankees might be some of the tops with moving Beltron, moving Chapman, moving Miller. There's a couple other pieces they can move too. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if anybody gets traded. Really? I think it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of on the opposite end because they just can't decide what they want to do. The Yankees, they can't decide if they want to sell what off. What like, you say Car- you like do Carlos here? Belt- yeah, what do you say? You do here. Carlos Beltran needs to be moved. Like he well, just sure. needs to be moved just because he's so old. But you know, they could sign Chapman to an extension. They could uh sign Miller to an extension. Good. Like I, I don't I would not be surprised at those guys sticking around because if you look at the you know, the Royals blueprint to win the World Series, it was have an amazing bullpen and decent arms and uh and timely hitting. And that's what they did. So I, I would you know, if you can get Schwarber, of course trade but i think think they're going to hold out for some huge haul i don't know if anybody's going to give it to him i i think i agree i don't know if i could see miller getting traded i could he's the one i could definitely see staying the chapman stuff here's one for you what if the nationals are out kind of you know pushing reynaldo lopez around hey check out what we got i mean maybe they're trying to see what they have maybe you see something like reynaldo lopez and trey turner for a role chapman if you're the nationals do you trade lucas giolito for a role chapman (laughs) 
No. So I think that's what it's going to take. But you don't think, think Trey Turner and Reynaldo Lopez gets it done? Dusty Baker hates Trey Turner. He he. Dusty, not, Bike, I, Dusty Baker has <laughs> custom Trey Turner toilet paper in the clubhouse. Just wipe his ass with Trey Turner all day long. Wants no part of him. Right. Uh, but I don't think that Dusty hating Trey Turner makes the Yankees love him. I think the Yankees want something gigantic for Chapman. I think they want Schwarber. I think they're going to want Giolito. I think they're going to want but like if they can't, three guys from the Rangers. You know, what if they could get Michael Tom, um, Michael Taylor, Lopez, and Trey Turner for Chapman? It's a pretty big haul. I mean, I think it's it's fair, and I think it's worth it. I just don't think the Yankees do it. I think mean, you know, I, Cashman covet Schwarber. I think that's what he really I just wants. Not trade Schwarber. Yeah. Okay. So would you do it for Eloy Jimenez and Javier um, Baez? If I'm the Yankees. Yeah. If I if I'm intelligent, I do. Yeah, I know. I I just think that uh I think they're going to ask for too much and I think that's going to hold up something, but Let's see, it's going to be interesting. Gonna to I mean, we're 13 days away from the deadline. Yeah, and and you know what, next week there'll probably there may be a tr- one little trade or two. Uh regardless, we will try to jump in and have a little bit more of a trade conversation. So if you have some questions, uh feel free to throw them out. We will get into that. All right, uh number 4 on the top 5. Uh, we got the starting pitchers. We have some guys that have come back, and we've got some guys that, please, for the love of God, come back. Kershaw, Granke, <laughs> they're still not back. Granke threw, oh, man, last Thursday. He's still having a little bit of aggravation, and it's very worrisome. I, Man, I don't know when he's coming back. And then Darvish and Garrett Cole came back. Unfortunately, Garrett Cole came back and sent Josh Bell back down, who had a good start. What do you think about this pitching situation? You and I both got Darvish back in multiple leagues, but I own Kershaw and Granke in some leagues, and uh, I yeah. still don't have them back. Yeah, I don't have Granke in any leagues, but I have Kershaw in a couple leagues. And it's, you know, they were saying right after the break, they're like, okay, he's going to miss a start, and then he's going to start on Thursday after the break. And I was like, oh, man, one start he misses? That is money. But now they pushed him back. They said, now he's not coming back Thursday. So I feel like, I feel like Kershaw is going to be soon, right? Like he's got to be at some point coming here I at least so. in in july like do you think over under that kershaw comes back in july uh you mean no it's like a july. yes or no yeah yes or no or like july uh, 31st i would say july 31st or later i think he comes back before august i don't think Granky does yeah i don't think Granky does i think i think kershaw could but i think if he does it's going to be like july 29th how are we I feeling I don't think it's going to be much sooner than that just because they don't want to rush him back. It's not like the Dodgers are doing horribly without him, but uh, they do need him back. What do you think about Darvish and his return? It was against the Cubs. I think he struck out. Let me look and see if I struck can. Struck out nine. Yeah, struck out nine, but only four, like four right? Yeah. Yeah, he walked four. You know, it's just. Encouraged? I'm, I, yeah, I am because he struck out nine. I the, mean, that's what we get from Darvish, right? But he needs to cut down the walks and he needs to stay longer in the game. I know it's his first game back from the DL, but, uh, well, you know, it's it's almost a lost year with Darvish because we waited so long for him to come back. He came back and then he went on the DL. So we're not going to get a whole lot of starts from him for the rest of the season. Well, that's my but, question, though, with Darvish coming back. If you're in a redraft league, because let's not have this conversation if you're in a keeper. Right. I mean, if you want, I know where you could go with it if you're in a keeper. But if you're in a redraft league. Because trade deadlines are probably coming in the next two weeks, two to three weeks for um, for fantasy leagues. Seeing him come in and have a good start like he just did, struck out. I mean, he didn't go. I shouldn't say it's a good start. He only went four, but he struck out nine. 
would you try to trade him right now? Would you try to get him off your team because you're going to go in, let's say you're head-to-head, uh, you're going to get into the playoffs, you're concerned about Darvish, but maybe you could sell, maybe you could go get Cole from him who just returned. Or maybe you try to go get a Jacob deGrom. Would you do something like that? You know what? I think I do. I, I think I do try to move him for something else. And not – it's tough because I really love Darvish and I think he could be a stud pitcher down the stretch here. But I feel like the Rangers are going to kind of handle him with kid gloves. But it's tough to say because they're going to want him to pitch in the playoffs. So are they going to let him ramp it up for the playoffs? Or are they going to say, all right, turn it back a little, turn it back a little yeah. because they want him for the playoffs? It's it's tough to say. I think I'd so try to I, move him if I could. If, if someone yeah. would give me 90 cents on the dollar – uh, you'd have to give me, you know, maybe it's two starting pitchers. Maybe it's a close equivalent. Like I'm going to go in and try to, if I were trading him, I would try to treat him like a top like 10, 15 type of pitcher. And I would try to get equivalent return or close to equivalent and another guy. You know what I mean? So like, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola would be the secondary guy. If someone offered me or someone offered you Aaron Nola and – Who's a back end? And Carlos Martinez, two of my guys. If you got, you could get Martinez and Aaron Nola, would you trade Darvish? I think you would have to. I, th- I think you'd have to do that. Let me pull up some guys here, the Welsh, and see if you would be on them. Um, phrasing? Um, let's see here. How about Darvish for Drew Pomeranz in Boston? F- no. No? Like, I'm that? trading Darvish to get Pomeranz? Yeah. Hell Pomeranz. no. Pomerantz just got traded to Boston, and he's 35th overall. So that's just you don't believe in Pomerantz at all. I don't like him going to Boston. No, I'm talking if if I'm getting an equivalent player, I want a good equivalent player, or I want Julio Tehran. Give me Tehran and something. Give me Drew Pomerantz and Tehran, maybe. But there's no way you get Tehran and something, especially with the way Tehran is pitching. But see, I don't think, but to me, that's not 90 cents on the dollar with Tehran. Jose Quintana. No. Nah, so, no, no, no. You're, we're, we're on uh, different you're wavelengths. Not, you're not really trading him straight up then. Well, no, not for the players that you're 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 giving me. I don't want well, those Well, these players. are first-page pitchers for the season. Well, give me these better ones. These are first-page. John, John Lester? I mean, who's going to give you John Lester? All right, I'm looking. Nobody's going to give you John Lester. Danny Salazar? Go give me John Lester. What's your guys' problem? Danny no Salazar? No one's going to give you John Lester for, for a guy who's then spent half have the them. season on the DL. And then came and now back, he's back, two starts, and now he's on the D. Then he went on the DL again, and now he's back again. Now he's back. Like, I don't know. Guess I think who's you're back? Asking for a bit much. You <laughs> is back. Tell a friend. I would do it for Salazar. I think. Um, see, but uh, like a lot of these other guys, I don't want. I don't want Kentamayeta straight. I'd rather. I would rather go down with the ship with Darvish, Julio Tehran. I don't know, man. If you gave me Julio Tehran and somebody, or Carlos Martinez and somebody, I think you're cooking. Okay. I just don't think you're going to get that back. I think it. I would I would pedal him off for something uh a little bit lesser. You know what I mean? Like uh I got you. I don't like like what? I got No, I got you. I, I know what you're saying. You you and I, I mean I'm a little bit more stubborn. Like you traded Darvish, you drafted Darvish to hold him for the playoff run for the second half of the season and get high strikeouts. He struck you out trade nine Darvish for Tanaka. No. Okay. I just don't think so. Nah, it's not. I I waited this long. That's, I just think that's uh, – and I understand your mindset, but I think that – I don't know. I, we're not getting I, I, this trade done, Bogman. You and I, we're not getting yeah, this trade done right now. We're, we're not getting this done at all because I'm not giving you more than Tanaka for your injury-prone 
you Darvish. I'll I'm just take not. my strikeouts. All right, well, All right, well, I'll just take my heart attack, the Welsh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With number five, um, this one isn't necessarily baseball fantasy related, but apparently you guys all want us to die because we got multiple <laughs> tweets, multiple tweets, multiple posts on Facebook all over the place that the D-backs now have what they call the Triple Play Sunday. It's a baseball hat just full of death and ice cream. It is over That's 30. a batting practice helmet. Dude, it's a – yeah, over 3,500 calories, and they even promote it. Like that's it's a, two pounds. That, that's super exciting. It's the two most pounds. ridiculous looking Sunday, and you and I should probably get it. <laughs> it's funny because he's fat. Yeah, so I was watching uh, the Diamondbacks game, and they were showing this thing, and then I took my pants off. Um, <laughs> they had it's it's three three types of ice cream, your preference, cold stone. Oh, you get to sh- oh my God, it's cold stone. Can you put like oh. the peanut butter cups inside of it? Uh, I'm, I'm sure you can. I'm oh sure boy. it's an option. Well, it's 3,500 calories. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot so of room to work with. Go home and step on a scale and write down how much you weigh and subtract it by like 20. 20. And then weigh that much. A lot of stuff to work with here. So it's three giant scoops of ice cream you choose, oh uh, two waffle cones broken up and put in there, Jesus. and a big old hunk of fudge with all the, you know, fixins on top so how so, you described it doesn't sound awesome but like you got to see it it looks incredible it doesn't uh, i'm sorry did you say that three hunks of ice cream with the waffle cone and fudge didn't sound awesome well no i'm just saying like like the description it seems kind of basic hey it's a couple scoops of ice cream there's some waffle cone like it's it's way bigger than that sound like you were giving the the direction of it it it's looks ginormous pounds of ice just cream. think about just think about how big a double quarter pounder is science. and how okay. you can barely finish that off like and some people just can't polish that off you know what i mean it's like, like eight I, of those i can barely polish that off that's what she said <laughs> yeah it's four it's four of those double quarter pounder would be a half a pound it's four of those of ice cream wow yeah i mean there's no way like i get um if i have ice cream now I get like that sugar buzz. Really? You know what I mean? So are we like, not going to have this? Should should we go to a game? Do we have? Oh, should we I split one? Have. We could split one. No, not a ch- a pound of ice cream. Well, you, dude, I you had like a twelve foot wiener there that had fries yeah. with it. Yeah, I didn't. Um, remember, if you remember, I couldn't eat the whole thing. I got like maybe a little bit over halfway through it, and then I. I gave the rest away. I just feel like it's our American duty to attempt to uh, to complete a triple play. All right. Well, you're cheap, and it's twenty five dollars. Does that no, uh, factor into anything? No, uh, well, you. I'm then I'm cheap. cheap. You're cheap. I don't know. Then I'm cheap. Then you, pay, I don't you know paid like thirty dollars for your uh, your million foot jalapeno wiener. Yeah, it was. Uh, stop calling it a wiener. It's a it's big a old wiener. Dog, you weirdo. Dude, um, you were you were chomping down on some Peter North. Like Kobayashi. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I don't Kobayashi. know. Kobayashi. It, it just seems like a lot to pay for a bunch of ice cream i don't know i don't know you know if we go back this year we pay plenty to slowly kill ourselves all the time well yeah but this is like speeding up the process really really high like who's gonna drive me home when i can't see anything because i'm blind from the diabetes (laughs) that's true maybe we'll make it our next uh maybe we'll make it our next uh goal on the patreon army if we get to our next level you and i will devour a triple play sunday there you go that that i like maybe we can do it like um Oh, what's the movie with the two dogs and the and the uh, spaghetti? Cup. 
Oh, Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, Lady and the Tramp. It'll be Bogman and the Welsh. <laughs> That's how it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, stop trying to kill us, everybody. We know it's over 3,500 calories of uh, delicious ice cream in a batting uh, practice helmet, which is a little disturbing. And uh, all of you tweeted us about it. So we're fat and um, it's D-backs. Maybe, maybe yeah, it's just check in some healthy food. I don't know. They do have vegan dogs there, by the way. Yeah. Let's get six of those. That's healthy. Okay. All right. Uh, there you go. There's the uh, top five. Let's get into it. We got the mailbag. It's your questions. Let's go. English, do you speak it? I don't know why I can't stop saying ITL. If I don't say it, I'll pass out. All right, Bogman, mailbag time. We got a couple questions from you guys. Uh, First one, at BrandX8080. Uh, By the way, if you guys want to ask us questions on Twitter, at IsItTheWelsh or at Bogman Sports, you can tweet us. Be glad to talk about it. Uh, You can join the Facebook discussion group. It's the ITL Nation discussion group. It's facebook.com slash groups. Slash ITL Nation, and you can just say, "Hey, will you guys talk about this on the episode?" And we will try to. But uh, at Brand X eighty eighty, it's a good question. It's a pretty basic question. He said, "Hey, is it safe to drop Trevor Rosenthal right now in all formats?" Yup, yeah, that easy. <laughs> easy. He sucks. I do. I'm still surprised at how much he sucks. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Remember, I, I had a little trepidation about him uh, before going into last season. And it's just one of those things, man. When you see those closers struggle like you've seen him struggle struggling. before. Struggling. 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 You're just really not that surprised when they get the, when they get the axe. Yeah. So I, I, I to be honest with you, I kind of think he's going to get another opportunity. I don't know if O or Segrist are going to like be that successful where they're not going to give him another shot. I do. I do think let's say they are. OK, that's fine. He doesn't get it. If there is any struggles, I think he's one of the first persons they would go right back to. So, yeah, I would not be shocked if but he's back he just, closing. But I get it, and I get why you would drop him. Same reason you could have dropped uh, Drew Storin, Sean Doolittle. You know, guys that deserve to be closers, but they just—they're not. It's not happening. They're, yeah, they're just not good. Not gonna, so, not gonna close here anymore. Nah, 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 not gonna close here. This one from at NerdRock nine one one the Welsh twelve team head to head. His Giolito, Dyson, and O. For Aaron Sanchez. Mm. Is mm. this keeper? Keeper? I uh, didn't say. Well, I, uh, it's tough. I mean, I you guess, and I, I don't want to do, I'm not doing any keeper. I'm not, um, I'm not trying to keeper. for Aaron Sanchez. No, get out of here. I don't care yeah, about the closers. I, cares about Dyson and O. It's Giolito for Sanchez. No, I understand that. That's what I'm saying. In a keeper, yeah. would you trade Giolito for Aaron Sanchez? No, you mm. wouldn't. Don't. Don't. I don't think I would. Of course you wouldn't. No, no but if it's if it's a redraft or if you're pushing to win this year, I think it's a fair offer. I want Aaron Sanchez. Like In a redraft. For, for, the, for this season, I want Aaron Sanchez. So I would say this season, yes. Redraft, no way. You're not worried about him getting shut down? Nope. Nope, I don't think I don't think the Blue Jays can afford to do that. They don't have any other options. They're trying to make the playoffs. I don't think they can afford to shut down Aaron Sanchez. It's two closers, man. Yeah, who cares? Okay. Oh, um, I mean, o, O's job is not safe, and uh, Dyson could be a setup man when the Rangers trade for somebody else in redraft. I guess I may, maybe I try to get one of those closers out of it and do the trade. I mean, I like Aaron Sanchez more than Giolito this season because Dusty Baker hates your fantasy team. So I get it. And, you know, Reynaldo Lopez is coming up for a start, not Giolito. So that says something. Uh, keeper, no way. Uh, I, I'm a little indifferent on this trade. I don't like giving up two closers and a top prospect for Aaron Sanchez. I think both these guys could not be closers in two weeks. Very true. Like, 
All right, I, fine. I'll do it. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, you did. All right, just, just, uh, you know, I'm not trying to use car sales. Uh, here, fine. But I mean, all right, just trying to make points. At Jer Step says Jer Step, Jeremy Step. All right. Oh yeah, Jeremy Step. He says Carlos Rodon and Schwarber for Miguel Sano and Barrios. He says pick a side. It's a thirty team dynasty points. Uh, you go ahead. I mean, I know what side I, I want. I think I want the Schwarber, Radon. Yeah, side. Radon and Schwarber. But it's yeah, that, just that, that's the side I'm picking too. It's tough because I love Sano, but uh, Barrios came up was not very good in his first start. He's gone down to AAA and looked better. Looks really good in AAA. Actually, he's going to be up soon. Yeah, I, I understand. I just Sano versus Schwarber is tough. Like they're a little bit of a wash to me. So for me, it's Carlos Rodon and Barrios. You know, this is like the most fair trade I've ever seen. To be completely honest with you, uh, let me say it a different a way. Goes. You're totally right about. That. Let me say it's a different way. I don't see the point of it. They're the exact, right. they're almost the exact same players. Like you say, fair. I don't know. I, I think they're close to the same. Though I have a preference of Schwarber and Rodon to both of those players. That's why it's easy for me to say the others. But at the same time, what if you're in a dynasty and you're trying to win this year? And you have Radon and Schwarber. Are you trading and Schwarber's doing nothing for you? Are you making this trade where you bring in Sano and then possibly Berrios is going to come up so you're getting the full-on production? Would you do that trade? I think I would, but I think I'm going to Welsh this. I think I'm going to change the trade to my goals. Like I think I would say I'll trade you Schwarber for Sano straight up to a guy that's not. And and if he needs some other pick or something. or uh, Did you just say you Welsh that? I, yeah, I welsh that, like because they'll ask <laughs> these people ask the questions, and you'll be like, "Well, I would do it if it was this." I'm like, "But it's not that; it's this." So I think, uh, yeah, if the point is to get to know, then um, if the point is to get to know, then I would say, "Yeah, sure, I'll throw you Schwarber and a pick or something to win." Now, like I don't want to like give that, up for like this and uh and like this and like that and uh. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did watch Straight Outta Compton the other day. It was, it was good. It was good, it was right? Good. Yeah, yeah, I saw. I saw it. Uh, I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it like a uh, like two or three months ago. It's really damn good. Yeah, I was. I was. It was really good. Why did I not know all that about Easy? Yeah, I don't know. Probably because we were like six. Yeah, yeah, we were. We were six. We're old now. <laughs> we are old now. That's Pe- true. People we are like, hey, then. look, the guy that the, the guy from uh, Twenty One Jump Street and the guy who has headphones. That's the movie that they're in. It's like, no, no, they were they were rappers before that. All right, uh, last one. At Angry Jew, I know at this time, I saw actually saw the episode the other day where they did the did uh, the thing to heaven to try to get yeah. the uh, ticket. Where were you when they built the ladder to heaven? I laughed when I saw that scene, and I immediately thought of At Angry Jew. You know, maybe we're not seeing heaven because one of us is a J-O-O. Uh, he says, <laughs> more saves second half of the season. A.J. Ramos in Miami or... Dole in Oakland. It's a good question. Oh, Ramos. Uh, you know, I, I know that. Oh, Fernando did I say Ramos? Ramos? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Did you? Oh, I get emails. Ramos. Oh, so I, I Miami's going to win more games, and I, you know, Fernando Rodney's there to threaten his job, but I'm, it's a big mess in Oakland. So Dole could be out at any point. I wouldn't be that surprised. AJ Ramos has the job right now, in Miami. I don't think Fernando Rodney's that big of a threat to him and the the Marlins should win more games. So I'm going to go with uh, Ramos. I'm also going to go with Ramos because he's safer. We know what we're getting from him. I do think Dole could get closes soon. He could take over the job at any point. He also could not. He's a dynasty kind of more keeper for me. 
Uh, I do believe he'll get saves, but we just know. We know, like, Fernando Rodney's not taking saves from Ramos. So Yeah, Fernando Rodney sucks. I'm I, I know he's had a good year, and he was an all-star and everything. He sucks. We've seen him before. Yeah, He's Trevor Rosenthal. Same guy. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. All right, there you go. Those are your questions. Some good ones. The difference that we're doing here, like I told you, we're not going to be doing the waivers, which don't worry. If no got, Asian gangs? There's no Asian gangs today. If you do want coverage, though, just go to InThisLeague.com. Honcho's put together the steamers and streamers every single week. So mm-hmm. he has you covered. So just go check out that article. You can see who you should be looking at uh, steaming and streaming for the week. In place of it, it's my conversation with Eno talking about craft beers. He's in San Diego when he did it. We're talking all-star game. We're talking uh, him offending the commissioner of baseball. Well, we're talking about a couple great articles. Uh, it's one of my favorite talks. And it wasn't with Bogman, unfortunately. I like when Bogman's there. It just it, it happened to randomly be where this was where we could do it. And I just said, okay, I'll jump on it. So it's, uh, it's only me. It's only Eno. So, Bogman, you're going to have to go back and listen to this. Yeah, I'm going to have to hear it. I have not heard it yet. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Let's do it. Zeno. Don't let fantasy baseball season ever end by joining the ITL Army today at patreon.com slash ITL Army. Hardcore fantasy fans, rankings, year-long, dynasty keeper talk, as well as my top 250 minor league ranks updated all the time. Plus, we got all the other sports. Football is ramping up. Contest giveaways. It's all happening. Check it out. Patreon.com slash ITL Army. Mount up. All right, well, we had him on a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was a month ago. Very, very excited to have on Eno Saris. And when he was on, he was telling us about this really fantastic book that he was putting together, A Baseball Lover's Guide to Craft Beer. As we know, my palate is a disgusting palate. I drink piss beer most of the time. But this is for me because I am a baseball lover. And through my age, I'm actually getting more and more. I say this lightly. I'm getting more into alcohol, but in a in a good way if it's whiskeys or beer so we wanted to bring Eno back Eno on Twitter at Eno Saras you know from Fangraphs Beer Graphs out in San Diego for the All-Star game what is going on Eno? Not much I mean a lot (laughs) (laughs) yesterday yesterday was the home run derby uh, and it's usually an event that I like to make fun of that I don't enjoy too much but you know seeing it live was a very different experience I, I saw some of the Minneapolis one but this is this is the first one I really sat and just watched and really I don't know if it was because there was no Chris Berman but I had a great time I can't do it. I, I have not watched the All-Star game with volume for five years. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, I saw you were tweeting, too. Everybody was on Trumbo. It was a big Trumbo crowd there, right? Oh, yeah, they loved him. I, you know, as much as the Giancarlo was impressive, Trumbo hit a couple bombs that were right there with him, and they were, they were into it. Plus, uh, Trumbo likes the kind of music that's a little bit more popular in San Diego. So <laughs> instead of the sort of Latin samba stuff that they were playing for Giancarlo, they were playing uh, harder stuff for, for Trumbo, so uh, some ACDC and, uh, I don't know, just just some rock. And yeah. people were into it. And, and he hit the top of the supply building, which uh, Giancarlo left the stadium, so he had his own iconic moments. But, but hitting the top of the supply building is one that will get everybody's attention. And then he hit the video scoreboard, which is huge and seemingly very far away, but then he made it seem reachable. It's a really cool thing, and it's a cool experience you're having out there. So we're going to talk about A Baseball Lover's Guide to Craft Beer here in just a moment, but i got a couple things I wanted to ask you. And first off, uh, you know, people get a little insight on when we're doing this. We're doing this a little bit before the episode airs. But uh, our buddy Steve Gardner put out a tweet, and I hadn't been too privy of it. And uh, apparently uh, Manford came out, was talking about the rise in home runs, and kind of just put it to 
putting home run hitters to hire in the lineup, and uh, you kind of called it out. Can, can you tell us what happened? I'm, di- I'm dying to know how this goes, because Steve was like, never a dull moment when Eno's Yeah, around. I could have worded my question better. So Joel Sherman asked if, if he was concerned or what he was thinking about home runs being up, because they're up back to steroid levels. And he was wondering if, I guess he was sort of implying that maybe steroids had something to do with this one again. Um, and Manfred went with that, and he said, no, we have the best testing, you know, the WADA, the, the World Drug Doping Association, whatever. They, they, they said that we have the best testing in almost any organized sport. And, you know, so they, they basically focused on the testing part of that, which, you know, I believe, I think that we might even be have gotten to the point where we're getting some false positives. If you uh, sort of read between the lines with some of the recent tests, you know, it's, it's certainly positive. It's certainly possible to get false positives. Uh, and you've got a lot of players right now who, who just don't understand how they could have, you know, that could be their line. I understand that. But uh, it's also possible to get false positives. So anyway, that's a that's sidetracking. He, then he said, I think it's a game factor. Uh, for example, you could be hitting your home run hitters higher in the lineup. And at the very first time I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's I'm, I'm looking right now at the home run issue. And I was like, that should be something I should look into. But then I realized that no matter where you hit in the lineup, even if you just control for yourself, you compare players to themselves. Exit velocity is up. Home runs per contact is up. So why would uh, home runs be up? in that way it doesn't have anything to do with batting order it sounds like a cop-out it sounded like a cop-out answer and it it, it seems like yeah yeah he's just sort of waving waving a you know a red herring basically and being like hey this could be it but it's it's not it at all so then it was uh, he he called on me and uh i should have had like the whole answer in my head ready but i didn't expect him to call on me because he kind of looked past me a couple times so when he called on me i was like oh and i said you know uh home runs per contact up and exit velocity is up so i don't think he it can be uh, what you're talking about. And uh, uh, I don't think it can be what you're talking about. Your answer, and then I should have said anything but what I said, which was your answer is short on believability. <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. I, 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 uh, the other thing I was like sort of kicking around in my head was that it was unsatisfying, which is a much more diplomatic way of saying it. That might have gone over a little bit better. I wish I had said that. Uh, but uh, I said it was short on believability. And uh, the writers laughed their asses off. <laughs> and uh, actually, to his credit, Manfred laughed. He said, my instinct here is to say next question. <laughs> uh, and then he answered my question because I basically said, is it the ball? And, um, and he said, uh, you know, we've tested the ball. The test is the same last year to this year. We don't think it's the ball. We haven't changed anything about the ball's manufacturing. It's got to be something else. Oh, so. Man. You know, and then he also uh, interestingly pointed out that the last commissioner who screwed with the ball lost his job, and that was in Japan. They changed the ball, and that commissioner lost his job. So, so he's really uh, worried about his job there too. As soon as that came, that came up, I mean, you know, it's hard to bite your lips sometimes. That that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. I've definitely had <laughs> moments like that where you're like, "Please, did I just vomit out of my mouth those words? Did that?" It's just funny come as a out? writer, I get the chance to edit what I put down right so <laughs> yeah you know, that that would have been an easy like uh delete 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 and new word uh instead uh when you're talking these things happen so uh you know to his credit afterwards he, he made light of it in the moment and then afterwards he shook my hand and uh and laughed about it so that's just my sense of humor don't worry about it he's not you know i don't think he's i actually like him a little better than bud selig and i don't think he's the worst commissioner he's you know i didn't mean to call him a liar 
<laughs> you're like, I didn't mean to insult you to your face, but it's perfect. Yeah. Right. So, no, that's, that's really funny. I'm, I'm really excited to have got some insight just from you because I saw a lot of people talking about it, and I wanted to uh, I want to get you on and talk about that. Two other things, and I want to get to the guide. We'll go to this one. You just wrote this article about the adjustments that were made by All-Stars, and you obviously couldn't cover everybody. It's a really fascinating article people should check over at Fangraphs.com. I was just curious with these people. It looks like you spoke with Danny Salazar, E5, uh, Eduardo Nunez, Miguel Cabrera. Was there one that was more interesting to you? Because the idea behind this was an adjustment a guy made to get them to the All-Star game. What was the most uh, interesting adjustment you talked to with one of these guys? You know, actually, maybe the first one, Danny Salazar had an interesting answer because, you know, I love grips, and his answer was about grips. He said that he used to throw in a split-finger grip and that his elbow hurt every time he threw the changeup out of that split-finger grip. So when he had, so he didn't throw many changeups. So then when he had Tommy John surgery, when he came back, he did a modified split finger grip, which I linked to Tim Hudson's version. And Tim Hudson basically told me the same thing. He said, you know, a lot of times people think I'm throwing my split finger. I'm actually throwing this pitch. And it's, it looks a little bit like a split finger in that your index finger and your pinky finger are uh, on the sides of the ball, like a split finger, but your two middle fingers are at the top of the ball. So it's, uh, it looks. It has some things in common with a split with a split finger, but I think it's a little better for your arm because you're not asking those front two fingers to spread as wide as they do in a split finger. You know, he just said that that allowed him to throw the changeup more. And if you think about Danny Salazar now, you think, you know, hot fastball and and nasty ass changeup. So you know, I, I think that was that was a pretty interesting one because you know that's a foundational thing that we we think of him this way, but he wasn't always this way. So that was. That was, uh, and then the, some of the Goy guys were more recent. Uh, and Marcelo Zuna and Mark Trumbo uh, had very similar answers, which was, "Why should I put the ball on the ground? I should put the ball in the air because I have power, and I should pull the ball in the air for po- pull power." And uh, both those guys are having great power seasons, and uh, and they had good exit velocity in the past. They're just now making better use of their exit velocity by hitting it in the right angles. Now, to finish up this, we were really kind of hitting uh, all aspects of hitting here from the All-Star game, from uh, Manfred and the home run ball to adjustments some of these All-Stars have done. The last one you did uh, was the day before. It was the most balanced hitter of the first half, which was fascinating to me. My brain melted in what you put together where you had the most balanced fastball hitter looking like it was Neil Walker to Rajay Davis. Will you talk about what you did there and maybe particularly those the top guys on that list? Was there something that kind of, were you blown away to see that Neil Walker had that much coverage? Well, no. I mean, he's a switch hitter and I think that probably helps him a little bit because he always has the platoon advantage and uh, he has patience. I think patience is, it actually works into this one really well because I don't think hitters are actually... So what I did was I took the... I took For the fastball one, I took their OPS on pitches the upper third of the plate and above, and I took their OPS on pitches the lower third of the plate and below and made that fastball down. I did fastball in and fastball out. So you, everybody had four OPS numbers attached to their name for fastball stuff, and nobody's really great at the fastball on the outer half of the plate, but I found the guys that are good at that are basically good at laying off those pitches. Uh, and that allows them to walk on those pitches as opposed to sort of whiffing on those pitches. So if you think about a lot of the guys that were near the top of my list, most of them had good patience and could lay off that outside pitch. But then on top of that, we're able to hit both the, the high pitch and the low pitch. So they weren't. Mark Trumbo was kind of the opposite. Mark Trumbo was a guy who murders uh, high and tight pitches, uh, you know, high uh, inside, 
he murders those pitches because he's a pull hitter, a pull power hitter that just murders those pitches. And he, he's really bad on the outside part of the play. So, you know, Neil Walker coming to the top of that list, I think that makes sense. He's a guy who can, you know, spray it to all fields. And then Rajai Davis sort of was the example of the other guys on this list that weren't that great in any one quadrant. And so that's why they scored well. They were, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Ender Inciarte is on this list. That doesn't mean that he's really good. It just means he's actually the same level of bad. <laughs> well, you know, you know what? That's what I was going to kind of ask you on this. If you have, if you're talking to uh, even a fantasy owner in a layman's term, how would they look at something like this and be able to translate this into a fantasy perspective? Where you see I, a Rajay Davis and Neil Walker are these buy lows, sell highs? How, how would you translate? I think it? Uh, I think this is a way to find people that are good at batting average. I, th- I think this is a good, a good way to find people that are steady, uh, that won't be picked apart by certain pitchers that will have good matchups even against good pit pitchers. So if you've got Nomar Mazzara and you, you know, like if you're in DFS and you're looking at Nomar Mazzara and he's going to go up against a right-handed pitcher and you like him and he's going to be at home and he's in Texas and Texas is going to be hot and you're like, I like everything about this except that the right-handed pitcher is going to be Jake Arrieta. Well, you know what you can say is, well, Nomar Mazzara controls all parts of the plate really well. There isn't necessarily an easy way to get Nomar Mazzara out Maybe I'm going to take him even though the matchup is against Jake Arrieta. So uh, I, I think it's a good way to find steady guys that can cover the plate, aren't going to strike out a lot. Um, and I think it's a, g- a good way for Dynasty guys because Michael Conforto was number two on that list. This is an important thing. This means that Michael Conforto, in his first try at the league, was really good at the high fastball, the low fastball, the away fastball, and the in fastball. He can take uh, balls to the opposite field for power. He can pull balls. He can cover the high and low. I think this is a perfect time to go buy Michael Conforto. Everybody should buy Michael Conforto. I love it. There's That's- no reason to be down on him. He, he had a wrist injury, and I think not, not enough attention was paid to that. And, yeah, he hit a little bit of a slump, and New York was competing, so they decided to go to Nimmo. That does not mean that... Nimmo is better than Conforto. Conforto is still better than Brandon Nimmo. Well, and people get, you know, there's such a short leash in patience when, whenever we're dealing with these rookie hitters. You know, any of these guys that come out hot and they start to struggle when the league catches up just a tiny bit, people are uh, willing to sell off. But this is the type of research that people can look into, which then moves us over to the other research that you've been doing. Like I said, you had talked about it on the episode before. It is a baseball's lover's guide to craft beer, beer culture, baseball. You're looking at the best beers, the best places. Please talk to everybody about what it is because you teased it before i need this in my life i'm gonna purchase this after we're done talking here because i really do well, need this because i'm so uncultured on it yeah well you know the, the most the, the, this is perfect for someone who's about to go to a baseball town and especially with like a family or a friends that don't care as much about baseball or beer this book gives you the cover that you need in order to surreptitiously plan a vacation with great beer so you can say you can say to your wife, you can say, hey, we're going to go to this museum. Because of my book, because you've read my book, The Baseball Lover's Guide to Craft Beer, you know that the museum is right next door to the best brewery in town. <laughs> and you can say, like for Chicago, we've got the architectural tours. Those are great. You get in a boat, you look at architecture. Your whole family learns something. When you step off, we tell you Rick Bayless's, Rick Bayless's famous Mexican restaurant is two blocks this way. And uh, one of the best tablets in Chicago is two blocks the other way. I love so, that you said Chicago, too, by the way, because we, we have such a large Chicago audience here at ITL. That's really killer to hear. What about, and I don't want to get you off anything, but what about uh, last time we talked, we were talking about Phoenix. You hadn't quite had it done. Did you set Phoenix? And I'm curious what you got on New York. For sure. Actually, uh, 
in some cases, I used to live in New York, so and I've been to Phoenix a ton. So those two, I felt good enough to do it myself. But I did actually give New York to my one of my editors to do as a guest chapter because he lives there. Uh, he did a great job uh, pointing out a place like Single Cut is dominating. That's a that's a single cut brewery is a great place to go. But also uh, that's close to Astoria. So then he's pointed out a couple places to eat in Astoria. And you can go eat in Astoria, go to Single Cut Brewery, and then uh, catch a, a quick uh, bus over to uh, to to Chase, uh, City City Field, not Shea Stadium, City Field. <laughs> uh, and um, for Phoenix, uh, my my mom lives in Sedona, so I've been going there for a long time, and I'm really impressed with how much they've added. They've, they, it used to be sort of a one brewery town almost, with Papa Go Brewing just being the only place to go. Yeah, but. Now uh, I really like Fate, and there's in Scottsdale you can actually walk from Fate Brewing to Papago. If you're willing to go a little bit further, my favorite uh, brewery in Phoenix is Arizona Wilderness. But and, and the funny thing about Phoenix is it looks like a strip mall, but we're big. We're all- just spread out. We're spread out out here. I'm, not, I'm <laughs> on the West Valley. You don't know how much is coming out here, you know. And I want you to keep going on about this book because I want people to get a real good perspective. Have you thought, and maybe you're already doing this, and I'm just speaking to the choir here? You should be doing like beer tours in cities. That's. I mean, that's the. Big basic concept of the book i mean and i think that it'll turn into an app maybe and it'll turn into something that's a little bit more interactive and uh and and that can give you guide and maybe to more cities than just baseball cities but that's the that's the basic idea is sort of beer and culture tours uh beer culture and food for all these different cities and they kind of go from you know, when you when you land in a city in a chapter, it says, you know, here here are the best places in the region that you might have to go to that will require just going to them. You know, this brewery is an hour out of town, but you got to go do it. You know, yeah. and then it, then it comes back to the town and says, okay, if you're in this part of town, you can do this, this, and this, and then you know, hop on the train to go to the stadium. Or if you're in this part of the town, you can do a crawl along this street with these four bars and. The, this is the reason you would go to these bars. So, you know, that's there are little sort of crawls and tours that are built into each one. And, um, and every chapter has a box, which is like something outside of the norm, which is either these architectural tours or there was a kayak tour that you could actually drink on the kayaks while you're <laughs> while you're kayaking around. So, um, you know, that's that's the sort of idea that I, that I like sort of intertwined beer in in sort of tourist guides in a way. And it but literally, anyway, fit, uh, it literally that, fits everybody. Yeah, exactly. I think it does. I mean, a lot of these beer places are now also offering craft cocktails. So it doesn't it doesn't even have to be about uh, the beer. But it, it, it is sort of a, a different way to look at uh, traveling. And I think it's honestly, it's the kind of way that we we do now. And it's very difficult to actually plan a trip based on how we actually do travel and what's available to us. Because if you're going to go on TripAdvisor, you're going to find your hotel, right? And you're going to find your whatever. And then you're going to go on kayak or something and find your your tickets. And then you're going to maybe go on Yelp and look for restaurants or, you know, like it's always like in these different places and there's all this stuff going on. And Yelp is, there's so many people on Yelp going, well, you know, the waitress is really rude. So one star. And you're like, I don't care. Was the, the food be- great? Yeah, was the beer good? What, what yeah, was the beer good? Yeah, yeah I I've looked at so many places where, you know, there's these people yapping on about how the fries are soggy at a beer place. And like, like, I don't care how, qu- how, how quick Sandra got me my fries. I just yeah, need right. to know about the, the beer. <laughs> exactly. So uh, this is like more like, you know, I, the people I run with want to know what the best cultural things, what are the most unique cultural things, not just you know, this park, it's like, you know, every place has a museum. What's the most unique museum this place has? So 
we tried to do that and, uh, and uh, try to get at the heart of some of these cities. But it's at www.beergraphs.com. That's B-E-E-R-G-R-A-P-H-S. Beer graphs, like fan graphs with beer. Forward slash book. And uh, anybody listening to the podcast gets a dollar off if they use the code uh, BG-WeLoveYou. So that's BG-WeLoveYou. You get a dollar off. becomes a uh, $4.99 book instead of $5.99. That's less than the price of a beer to make sure you drink really well uh, on your next trip. I wouldn't even know where to go when I go out of town. I am, I'm a lost soul when I'm in a new place. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to go. Two things on that. Where are you drinking in San Diego and how much coverage of beer do you have in here? Like if you had to give a rough, a rough estimate, how many beers do you think you're talking about in here? Uh, in the books? Yeah. In the book? Yeah. Well, we have a leaderboard for actually the top 10 beers in the city and in the park in each in city. Uh, so that gives you, you know, the top 10, an idea of the top 10 in each in each city. And then we probably list the top five to 10 breweries in each city. So oh. for a beer town like San Diego, that becomes like maybe 10 percent, five percent. Uh, but for a beer town like Miami, we probably more like 90% because Miami is a terrible beer town. So, um, you know, it's, it's very variable, but, uh, here in San Diego, uh, we're downtown. So I love, uh, monkey paw, which is a brewery and a bar with great food. I think they do cheesesteaks and, um, there's another place here called neighborhood that has a little bit higher class pub food. Uh, and just a great uh, bar list. But in terms of like breweries, uh, one of my favorite breweries of all time is down here is Modern Times. Uh, you might start seeing that in different places soon. Actually, well, I think you and Phoenix will see it. And uh, it's a good crossover beer, man. Try try a Booming Rollers, Modern Times Booming Rollers. That's my homework for you. I'm in. I'll, go, I'll totally do it. You know what I love, go, too? Ho- hopefully at some point some of the players will be coming up to you, not just asking you about grips and, uh, and different uh, analytical stats. They'll be asking you about where can I get a good beer in the city I'm going to next. When I go play the National, where can yeah. you go get a good beer? Well, I think there might be too many calories for some of these guys. And uh, there's a lot of Bud Light. There's a lot <laughs> of the Bud Light, I'll tell you that. Okay, so it's a lot of my taste. It's a lot of it might be years taste. down the line. I, I know a couple guys. Uh, that I talked to about craft beer. All right, well, it's Eno Saris. He's implementing uh, advanced analytic stats and craft beer into the clubhouse. Someday it will all get there. It's a baseball lover's guide to craft beer. You can find Eno on Twitter, at Eno Saris. Uh, once again, give the website where they can get the book, where uh, where they can download it, and what was that promo code again? That's uh, www.beergraphs.com forward slash book. The, the code is BG-WeLoveYou. Uh, it, it's on Kindle right now. We're having a little bit of a technical snafu. It'll be, it'll be better. Uh, on Kindle shortly, but uh, it, it, it is there, and um, the edition will update once we once we uh, improve it. But uh, yeah, the best place is beergraphs.com. We get more of that money anyway. Okay, well, yeah, then definitely do that. Well, <laughs> you know, you're my hero, not only for uh, being able to say what you said to Manfred and uh, always speak your mind, but <laughs> taking a couple minutes out, you're outside, you know, you're in San Diego, you're at the you're at the freaking All-Star game, and you're sitting to talk with me for a couple minutes. So I really appreciate you doing it. Yeah, it's really fun. I'm looking at the bridge to Coronado right now, uh, the, uh, the train tracks behind Petco. It's just been beautiful down here, and uh, I know why they had it down here. It's just, San Diego's a great place to go for the beer, uh, you know, the baseball, maybe when your team is visiting. Uh, San Diego, you can go. <laughs> They'll probably exactly. win. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Live, live in the life. Eno Saris is. All right. All right. Uh, thanks so much again. Beergraphs.com slash book. Go do it up. Eno, enjoy the All-Star game. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, there you go. It's a little bit different, a little uh, change in what we do. It's like uh, Mark Merriman would say. It's like a little quickie uh, with Eno Saris out in San Diego. My favorite part is that guy in mid-Eno conversation that just walks by and goes, Eno Saris. That was my favorite part. <laughs> 
yeah, it's always good to hear from Eno when he has to throw in. Plus, uh, now you all have a discount code for his book. Go uh, buy it. Go did go buy it. He gave you a little bit of tips on where you can drink if you're in New York or Phoenix or San Diego, and there's a ton more in the book. So there you go, some ITL listeners. You can go get hooked up uh, a little bit off of the book. Go buy it right now. Support Eno. We'd love to have him on here for just a little short one. But let's go to the other guy who's on Sleeper in the Bus. Great, fantastic person. We had him on last season. Always great takes. We're talking about a little bit of Rays and some more. It is Jason Collette. Let's do it. All right, guys. Week 15, we've got a great guest on. Like we said, uh, we've almost got the entire trio of the Sleeper in the Bus. We had that short little interview I did with Eno just a few minutes ago uh, when he was out at the uh, the All-Star Game talking about his new book. We have on the always fantastic Jason Collette on Twitter, at Jason Collette. You can find him over at Rotowire, as I said, the Sleeper in the Bus, and theprocessreport.net. Jason, what's going on, man? Wait, you didn't tell me I was following Eno. I'm, I'm hanging up. <laughs> man. Well, I was going to ask you if you had a good Paul impression, since we only had two of the three maybe if you could do a paul impression at the end you know i could give you the paul impression when skype literally uninstalled itself in the middle of us recording <laughs> yesterday uh no it didn't <laughs> really oh yeah it's it, right i was sitting in the detroit airport recording because you know shocker i was traveling and we uh he's recording all of a sudden i'm talking and there's just dead air and I, I see skype doing its calling thing and he sends me this profanity laced text <laughs> that skype had uninstalled itself it literally had disappeared in the middle of recording oh. uh so we had to hit the reset button and start again um but yeah that that was uh, quite a quite a thing yesterday spores like you son of a bitch <laughs> you know what we could do is i could just take some clips from old spore episodes and we could just have them at the end of the episode and we'll just ask him questions and we'll give his old answers just oh, so yeah, we have the whole back trio and get some of that go get some of that towers of power audio before we went pg <laughs> yes that, that'll be some good stuff i always wish somebody would have made a soundboard for us uh, on that one because uh, you know back then when we were doing long form two hours and we didn't care what the what the language was uh, it got it got dark oh jason you're you're on the dark we are we're like a two-hour show we're dark as hell you were on us last year we probably weren't quite as dark we're just you know it's like you know you have kids you get older and you just become dark as you get older And i think the same thing happens with the show unless you know someone comes along and wants to take good care of you you know and you start doing awesome stuff like branching out with the uh the process report.net with the espn and everything we can't all be that important so we have to get dark bogman and i are dark yeah, I mean, everybody. Some of some of us sell out a little bit. Uh, you know, it's a little hard to get dark when you've got partnerships on, on the and, and sponsorships on the podcast. So, yeah, I don't think SeatGeek would take too kindly to us getting really bad. Uh, along those <laughs> I don't lines. blame you. I'd so, do anything for a buck. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, and money, <laughs> money's nice. Uh, it allows us to to make some gas money uh, at the end of the month. So, uh, yeah, along those lines and the ESPN stuff. Obviously, uh, sometimes I have to watch what I say uh, with the political conventions on this week oh it's really God. really tough to watch what i say uh, because man there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of stuff that just if i was a comedian right now i'm like heaven it's i mean john heaven. stewart john stewart has decided to come out of retirement to cover this stuff i mean the guy was literally helping animals and he's going to be going out and helping uh, colbert with the report and, and props to colbert for storming the stage to steal the mic to uh, officially start the convention uh it's going to be a fun uh, couple of weeks yeah and, he was uh, uh, he was helping animals and now he's going to go talk about some animals over at the uh, the rest of the coverage. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully nobody. I'm hoping Donald Trump doesn't call into this podcast during it because apparently he's calling into talk shows tonight during his own convention while people are speaking for him. Um, that has to be a first. I know me, media land things get a little weird these days, but to ignore your own people speaking to call into another show, that'd be like me calling into another radio show right now where you guys are talking. But that would be gonna- that would be awesome. And by the way, that no. wouldn't be the first time someone's done something else while they were on our show, Bogman. So don't don't you have yeah? Don't you have a uh, Trump impression, the Welsh? Oh, I see. I got to drink when I do it. Like, because you, you know how you it goes. Call and be like, you guys are losers. You guys are losers. Listen, you guys, you guys are talking about all wrong. It's so you losers. But I got to drink. Sad. Yeah, I <laughs> it's know. Really yeah, sad. You, you said, you said, you losers. Uh, <laughs> tell me about real quick. My loser impression, by the way. Uh, will you talk to us real quick about the ProcessReport.net? I asked you before that. I don't know why I wasn't familiar with it, but it's a branch of uh, ESPN that you're working on. Uh, it is. Uh, it's part of the ESPN Sweet Spot Network uh, that uh, has a bunch. It doesn't have all 32 teams uh, or 30 teams. I'm mixing sports again. 30 teams. <laughs> uh, but it has uh, most of them. And uh, the site's been around about five years, but I've only been part of it uh, the last couple. It was started by uh, RJ Anderson, who is now with uh, CBS Sports and a couple of other places. He seemed, I saw him at Vice Sports recently, so he is he's like oh, yeah. Jonah Carey um, in that regard, writing everywhere. And Tommy Ransell, those two guys started the site, and then um, I ended up taking it over uh, about two years ago, and Jason Hanselman, uh, who goes by at Sandy Casimir on Twitter, and also a really good follow, um, yeah, he and I do it. He does a lot. He does a lot. He does all of the game previews and reviews. Um, I usually do all I have time for is usually a weekly spot, trying to look for uh, look for certain things. I've written about Chris Archer. I've written about getting ready to write about Matt Moore and what he's doing differently these days. I've looked at Smiley different. I like doing player breakdowns. He likes doing game reviews and, and recaps along those lines. So uh, he and I enjoy doing the work and stays up year round. We even do a lot of stuff in the off season. We're hoping we get some trades to talk about this month uh, because. Because obviously the team needs a sell, and we want some new talent. We want some new stuff to write about. Well, I think you're going to, and uh, we'll talk about some of those players. You're, it'll be perfect to have you on, and we'll talk about some of these players. And we'll even, uh, as we did in the open, briefly we're talking about some of the rumors that were going on with the uh, the Rays with Archer and Matt Moore. So we'll get into that in a minute. But remember, you can follow Jason on Twitter, at Jason Collette. Find all his great stuff at Rotowire, theprocessreport.net, and, of course, Sleeper and the bus. So getting right into it, Jason, I, I do want to ask you, because you you know see more of the Rays than most of us, I had Chris Archer very high this year, and we did a shares episode of how many, um, uh, you know, how many leagues, I think we're Bogman and I were both in seven leagues, and I had Chris Archer in like five leagues. I had all the shares of Chris, Chris Archer. I want to ask you, what is more surprising, Archer's season-long struggles or the flip side of the resurgence of Evan Longoria coming back, and he's 21 homers right now. Which one has caught you off by more surprise? Um, Archer. I mean, when you looked at Archer's minor league career, the lack of the lack of command is something that was there, and then you saw in 2014 in the second half that he started making those strides. That in you know, 2015, for those of us that have watched him pitch, really weren't shocked that he was able to do that. Towards the end of the season, he started slipping back a little bit, and maybe in hindsight, that was a precursor of things to come. But what is what has frustrated me is just the lack of pitch command. 
for him. Is you know when you look at a start, uh, the most recent one where he pitched against the Orioles and they left him in for a fourth time, and Jonathan Scope hit the home run to go ahead home run. It, it was a, it was just a hanging slider, and you know it's it's been that way for him where he can't execute his pitches, and and even the sliders betraying him. The fastball command hasn't been there. I've argued most of the season the changeup has really been the best pitch for him, but once he makes a mistake with one of he doesn't throw it again. Now he's back to a two pitch pitcher, and if he can't command the fastball, let and and they're spitting on sliders. They're just waiting for the mistake to hit, and it's been this way all year long. And that's what's sometimes you see a pitcher go through the stretch. And I mean, locally, I can remember you know James Shields back in 2010, uh, you know, when he had that bad year. All of a sudden, his ERA was 5.12, and he couldn't get things right. But at least for him, when he was trying that, it was his process of working that new uh, his, his cutter, and he didn't have the cutter prior to that. Then he started throwing it, and he was just adamant about sticking with it and sticking with it and sticking with it. Now, it made him a better pitcher the following couple of seasons, but he took his lumps. Uh, but with Archer, you don't see him trying to do anything different. He's trying to be the same guy he always has been. It just isn't there. And with this Longoria, the power spike – it's happening all over baseball. Everybody's hitting more home runs, um, but he does look—he does look good. And I was just having a conversation with a couple of uh, friends here that I've written with in the past, and we were talking about you know who should be traded on the team. And I'm like, just about everybody should be available. Maybe Snell, I don't move, but Longoria, absolutely, I don't care about face of the franchise and all that crap. You know, they've got a talent gap at the high level of that organization, and they need to do something about it. Do you think they'll realistically trade Archer though? No. No, yeah, I mean, they, they won't. They do like it, right? doing their stuff. They like doing their stuff in the off season. I mean, right now, if you look at who they can realistically trade, Logan Morrison's on a one year deal. Steve Pierce is on a one year deal. Desmond Jennings, if anybody wants him, can have him. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are baseballs. guys. <laughs> those are a couple of guys that are out there. I think Matt Moore and Drew Smiley um, are are available, um, and Matt Moore will cost you a little bit more because uh, he's at least under control. Smiley's not. That Smiley. Uh, Frankly, it looks like he's quit pitching. I mean, every time I see him pitch, it just looks it, – it doesn't look like he's very interested in pitching right now uh, for this club. It could be one of those guys where if he does get traded, he goes and takes off the, re- the rest of the way uh, in that regard. But those are the types of guys that I see them moving. I don't see them moving Archer or Longoria, uh, you know, Forsyth or Miller. Really big – really happy the way Miller's um, hit. He still stinks in the field, but at least he's hit really well at shortstop this year. You know, from a fantasy perspective, do you see it all Archer? or Longoria as a buy low sell high do you treat I mean I kind of think we might all agree you know Longoria might be the sell high with the where that power surge is right now how people are perceiving him but do you see our I've always perceived Chris Archer as kind of a noodler a guy that enjoys baseball he enjoys the logistics of baseball he's into it you see how, how you know well spoken he is when he's on air like he enjoys the game he loves the game and and maybe it's just my misperception that guys like that are always looking to fix and correct and is he a type of guy that's going to be able to do that so he could be a buy low guy the rest of the season if you, you just have to watch him pitch. I mean, and this this week is not a really good time to watch him pitch because it's in Colorado. Uh, he's been terrible on the road this year. If you look at his numbers, he's if you're going to start him, you do it at home. Uh, he's had maybe one or two stinkers at home, but for the most part, his home outings have been good. It's the road ones that have been a nightmare. And I don't know maybe if you talk to people who cover the team, he he is one of the hardest workers. He's there early, doing everything along with the volunteer work. You know, people may not know he goes to the YMCA or the boys and girls club at every city he goes to on the road uh you know if he's pitching or not he he makes time to go do that kind of thing but every time you sit down and say okay i'm gonna buy low on archer just go back and watch his last start and then you're like yeah no 
No, can't do it. And I, <laughs> I, I've honestly, I've been saying it all year. I watch every one of these, and I, I keep waiting for him to turn the corner, and he keeps running off the rails. Oh, uh, it's, it's I, so I can't do it. Yeah, it's so depressing. I own, zero shares. I own zero shares of him, mostly because when a guy pitches at that kind of elite level one season, season two, I, I, I stay away. And he was, you know, he was going absolutely full priced, and I, I expected some regression there, but not to this extent. Yeah. And some of that, some of it's been defensive. And when you take out a Kevin Kiermeyer for two months, uh, and you're a bit of a fly ball pitcher, that's a problem because the outfield defense really takes a hit uh, with him not out there. Then you lose Logan Forsythe for a good chunk, and now your infield defense. You got Brad Miller at shortstop, who's terrible at shortstop, and all of a sudden, entire up the middle defense stinks from a catcher that can't throw anybody out to a middle infield combo that cannot turn routine double plays to a center fielder that can't catch that's what happens when you ha- when you take away guys with injury play guys at shortstop that aren't shortstops and then have catchers with new arms i feel like all this chris archer talk has gotten very dark this has become a dark episode <laughs> talking about chris archer it's very depressing let's keep it on starting pitchers though because i'm, I'm going to ask you this. this is a legit question jason speaking billy of dark be, yeah speaking of dark billy bean looks you straight in the face and says to you Jason, Rich Hill is the best pitcher in baseball. You do what? I don't laugh. I honestly don't. I mean, when you look at when you look at what he's done since he's come back from the dead. I mean, he was pitching for the something bluefish in the Atlantic Baseball League, right? <laughs> um, Bridgeport, I think. I think that's their name is the something bluefish. Eh? It's the something bluefish. <laughs> 14 starts. He's won nine of them. Uh, 76 innings, 55 hits. He's allowed two home runs in 76 innings. He struck out 90 guys. I mean, when you look at the overall, you look at his ERA in that time, just using that me- metric, Kershaw and Bumgarner, those are the only two lefties ahead of him. Michael Fulmer is the only other pitcher ahead of him. So he's number four in that. So in that stretch since he's come back, it's happened. But we've already seen Rich Hill go on a DL once. Now he's on. Now he's got this blister issue. He can only make it five pitches in his last game. So Rich Hill, in in a time where the A's absolutely should be shopping him around because he's on a one year deal, um, and I don't think anybody is going to give Rich Hill a qualifying offer. You don't want him taking seventeen point two million dollars to pitch for your team next year. Um, so the A's should be trying to sell him. The fact that they're asking for the same guy that uh, that the Padres got for Pomeranz is laughable because yeah. Pomeranz has got team control for two more years whereas it's a game of chicken like please go ahead and give him a qualifying <laughs> offer and let's see what happens because rich hill you don't know what's gonna happen they may he's again he's done five pitches in the last four weeks this is and, like that billy bean thing this is like that thing though he's trying to sell you like he's the he may be the greatest salesman <laughs> in baseball history he's just like he, he's like cartman's like come on guy you know he's like come on it's balls. rich hill you're breaking my balls guys it's rich hill he's so hey, good he's breaking my balls uh yeah i mean you've got but the thing is, it's it is a seller's market, and he could he possibly could make this sale on someone because it is a seller's market. Uh, and if Tampa Bay is going to do what they typically do, if you believe the rumors that they're always you know asking for the moon for their guys, and if they don't move a, a Smiley or more, um, let's let's pretend Archer's available. They don't move one of those guys, and you're you're Texas where you know you need a pitcher, and let's not pretend that Boston's done because they need another guy. Uh, you know the, the you know just the price in the palm is not going to get it done. You need more than that. You're staring at Cleveland, who's got four really good pitchers. And oh, by the way, now they're talking about going to get Andrew Miller to add to that bullpen. And that bullpen's already well-rested. It's not like some of these other guys. Boston's bullpen has been 
you know, worn out. Texas's bullpen has been worn out. Yeah. And if we in Cleveland, his bullpen has been well rested and they've got the four good starters. And if they add that wipeout lefty reliever, because that whole bullpen's righty. Um, but if they add that that wipeout lefty, all of a sudden that's a terrible matchup for any other American League team. Uh, and Boston could be that terrible matchup offensively, but they have to get another pitcher. Well, you know, Rich Hill, the only thing I'd add to this, and we'll move on, Bogman, is that like the Rich Hill starting pitcher trade market reminds me just of basketball where the only conversation we can have like basketball free agency the only conversation we can all really have is like well it's the market you know miles Plumley yeah. gets four years 50 million dollars because well that's the market like it, rich hill is not a good is not a great pitcher to go and sell off a bunch of prospects for but it's the market that's you know if arizona's not trading pa- awful patrick corbin if the rays are not going to go move smiley and matt moore the market doesn't hold a whole bunch more outside of uh, rich hill so it makes the rich sense. hill market is like my dating profile it's like yeah he's funny but do you want to put up with the rest of it like he doesn't make <laughs> much money he's uh he's kind of overweight you know like i don't know he's really funny do i really like he he's got to be really funny there's like, like one upside there's one he nice better upside funny me to a ring that's all and I'm i know saying. and to the other point because i keep doing this i'm not i'm not even selling steven wright short with the with the red Sox because he has been awesome to watch if people didn't see a start the other day because the yankees and uncle ball was just doing ridiculous stuff um that said, how long do you count on all that kind of stuff? Totally. Uh, you know, it, it gets colder in October. Does he have the same feel for the ball in October? Those types of things. I want guys that that miss bats. I, I'm not counting on a knuckleball for the postseason. It's nice, and it was. <laughs> if we think back, if, if you know, for people uh, that may have missed Wakefield back in the day, you know, I was uh, I'm old enough to remember what it was like the, his oh, yeah. first year oh, when he yeah. came up, right? Yep. So you know, that's what we're seeing with Stephen Wright right now. We'll see what happens down the stretch, but. I, I don't think Boston's. I still don't think they have enough. I like Veritech with that giant glove. Loved that was it. my favorite. Yep. Well, that or we, we still got Baltimore, who who needs about four pitchers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Jason, we're over halfway through the season. What has been the biggest surprise for you so far this year? And we've had a lot of them, but what like sticks out in your mind? This is the thing that surprises me the most. Two things: um, the the big spike in home runs and the disappearing stolen base. We used straight up and asked the commissioner, are the balls juiced? You have the all-star press conference. Are the balls juiced, commission? No, I, I don't believe you. I mean, he's ba- he's basically said, I don't believe you. That's what I, I've got. I actually, that when Eno and I were just talking, that was the first question I asked him. I'm like, you got to tell me about the little spat you and um, uh, the commissioner had. <laughs> Whole problem, I mean, seriously, the ball, you look at it and, you know, again, going back to going back to 87 when Wade Boggs is hitting 24 home runs out of nowhere and, and types you saw guys hitting home runs well this year we're seeing I don't know if there's been I'm probably overlooking somebody painfully obvious but we haven't seen like that guy like where the hell did that come from Francisco That's- Lindor maybe right the Welsh yeah. oh, just yeah. hit another one today oh, or boy, Brad Miller yeah. Brad Miller's got 15 out of nowhere he's on pace How about Mark Sibby's Trumbo <laughs> now, Mark Trump, we always do that. Yeah, but still, why is he still hitting? Park, he doesn't hit in the second park, half. Go yeah. into that park, you, you kind of had to see it coming, just, just like it was with Nelson Cruz two years ago. But it, it's kind of like that hole across the league. Where the hell did this come from? 
all of these guys are hitting home runs and the rates. I wrote about it at RotoWire uh, the week before Memorial Day, and I jokingly said global warming because it's been hot <laughs> as hell everywhere this summer. Uh, but that's you look at the home run rate at the end of the year; it's crazy. I think uh, I think I saw something like the the league average home run rates one point two this year per nine innings. That's typically been point nine. Now all of a sudden we're at one point two. That's a big jump. Uh, and then the, the stolen base because of all the home runs. Now managers are like, hey, you know what? Don't 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 make that attempt because I don't think we've added many more catchers that got that the one point eight pop time down the second base because teams are going back to the old Earl Weaver style of ball and trying to play for the three run homer. Stolen bases are just practically non existent. It's and really they're all waiting on the homer. Don't steal. We're waiting on the homer. Yeah. Don't it's just driving it, that's as somebody who likes the stolen base and likes the speed. It, it's driving me nuts that, that that part of the game is disappearing and we're sitting around waiting, waiting for the extra base hit. Well, and, you know, that fantasy argument that um, a lot of people are going to make in the preseason holds even more weight now that, you know, the stolen base has become more of the anomaly stat. It's become more of that elite stat that you want to go chase where, you know, what was it like? 10 guys stole 20 base or more last season and then you go look at who hit you know 20 or more home runs and the list is you know ever long it's it's kind of the same thing this season you know i want to move to, moving to this this kind of a it's almost a philosophical question on looking at your fantasy teams but do you think there's any change that owners can that can try to take advantage of we're kind of in that dog days thing where the all-star game has passed a lot of people that might be kind of out of it are, you know, get their heads are going to fantasy football. People are moving around. Is there anything you do this time of year when we're almost near the trade deadline? People's minds might be moving a little bit, maybe a little fantasy fatigue that you can take advantage of that you look to try to pry and maybe get you over the hump. You have to do the homework for people. Uh, yeah, I'd like this really wasn't a tough one, but recent example, uh, the guy that has Jan Gomes in my AL league. Uh, you know, he has a very good shot at first place. I don't. Uh, so I'm, I have a shot at making money, but I don't have a good shot at first place. So he loses Jan Gomes. He's without a catcher. I'm sitting on four catchers. I had uh, Chirinos, Bobby Wilson, uh, Zanino, and somebody else, an 11-team AL only. And he's like, uh, I'll give you Brad Zimmer for Robinson Chirinos. I dislocated <laughs> my finger clicking yes. <laughs> I'm in a hurry to do that. Uh, you know, I would love it. I've wanted a guy like Brad Zimmer in my system. Now I have him. I've got, you know, he's got 30 steals out of 42 attempts. Yes, he strikes out a ton, but he's 22 years old playing in double A. I'll live with that. Um, you know, Robinson Chirinos was in a final year deal for me. So if you're looking at, you know, you just kind of have to do homework for guys. So if you are, if you're up and trying to chase, then you've got to you've got to sell. You've got to be Billy Bean and sell the guys down ballot in your in your league and say, you know, hey, you've got this. Try to sell them on the future. I, you know, shoot, I was able to trade a guy like Tra- Taylor Motter in an AL league because I truly believe he's got a shot at shortstop next year. I said, look, Brad Miller sucks. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, his, his UZR 150 is minus 37. This guy is not staying at shortstop next year. You know, they are going to move him to the outfield, so that's going to open up the spot. Right now, Taylor Motter is one of the guys they like, and if you look around, then they got Willie Adamas, but Willie Adamas is another you know, 12 to 18 months, or knowing the way the Rays stall prospects, he may be five years away, and he's in double A right now. So it, it, those kind of, you kind of have to do the homework a little bit, and I always tell once it once we get to the second half, I stop worrying about ratios, and I just try to pile up as much counting category as I can. Right. If I lose a little bit of ERA, it's really tough to measure the impact. But I made the point uh, on the on the podcast on Sunday with Paul talking about Drew Pomeranz. If you if you got him in free agency uh, process this week, and 
you get him, you're getting four to five starts out of him rather than waiting around to see what happens on the trade deadline, which is August 1st, which is a Monday this year. So if, if that happens on Monday and you, you're like a normal league, you're not going to even be able to pick up that guy traded on the final day of the process until August 7th. And in that time, Pomeranz has made five starts and he may, if he keeps his rate, he's got 40 strikeouts for you. Maybe he wins three games. You know, it may impact your ratios. Can you really afford to spit on 40 strikeouts because you're hoping somebody better than Drew Pomeranz comes over in a league? Right, yeah. Those those AL, NL only leagues, Just I used to be in one for a long time and it disbanded. I, don't, I can't remember the excuse of why they didn't run it anymore, but uh, it, the, those trade deadlines are absolutely brutal. But I like the point that you make about uh, – Doing the research for the guys, kind of being a used car salesman a little bit, you know, to say, hey, guy, you know, you're looking for this and I've got this over here. So why don't we make a deal? Come on. What are you doing? Come on, buddy. Come on, guy. Um, What about this, Jason? You you pointed out uh, some expected bounce back guys uh, in the last uh, Sleeper in the Bus podcast that I I listened to. You had Aegon, Rendon, Justin Turner and Tulo as some of those guys. Do you have any more to point out for us that you're expecting some big things from in the second half? You know what? One of the things I like to do is is just take you know go to Fangraphs, go to the leaderboard last thirty days, and look for guys that are making the hard a lot of hard medium contact, and then take a look at their batting average and balls in play, and, and see who's getting jobbed. And two guys that really jump out like that are Matt Holiday and Hanley Ramirez, two guys we know have track records of hitting well. Uh, Holiday in particular hitting with a lot of hard contact of late, and uh, the results really aren't popping up for him. So when I'm looking to see. You know, what can happen? That's one of the guys I'm taking a look at. You should be able to get him on the cheap. Uh, uh, durability has been a little bit of an issue this year, but not contact he's making of late. He's still only hitting 244. Uh, that's something that should come up. And Hanley's been – the power hasn't been there, and that's really the, been the biggest surprise uh, for him. You figure going to that ballpark, it's going to be good. But we're talking now about three straight years of him not even eclipsing the 20 home run total, uh, which just seems – crazy but unless he goes on some kind of run here that's going to happen again but he's starting to make uh, that a lot of that hard medium contact again right now so that's another guide by low one i love it go 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 do your work this is the time to do it trade deadlines not only in uh, major league baseball are coming but your fantasy leagues so uh fan always got your hookup as does jason over at the sleeper and the bust uh let's go do some player debates and we'll do that no halftime the game so here we go itl player debates let's go all right, player debates, guys, where we're going to pit player versus player. This is probably one of the last, this, maybe one or two more Bogman that we'll do, because really at this point in the season, once the trade deadline's gone, you not really much use in doing player debates because you can't make trades. First one up, though, I know this is Bogman's favorite. Bogman, do you want to <laughs> ask this one? You're so excited about it. Yeah, Jason, I'm, I just, I'm really curious about this because Solarte was my guy going into the year. Um, he, and, of course, he got injured, and then he came back and wasn't really himself. And he seems to have put it together a little bit recently, but what do you think about Eduardo Nunez versus Yeager versus Solarte for the rest of the season? It's been fun watching what Solarte's done, but I I gotta go Nunez here just because All-star. of the extra steal. Just because of the steal, yeah, he yeah. absolutely deserved. I mean, the, yeah. the speed. You know, last thirty days, he's got seven steals. He's hitting three ten. He still doesn't get on base enough to take it full advantage of that speed. But all that takes is a little bit of a hot streak. Uh, it's it's crazy though because every year I've had Nunez as like my middle infield guy, the reserve. <laughs> he's always sitting around there. Guess which year I didn't take him? That was yes, first- yes. Yeah. I did the same thing the year that Zach Granke won the Cy Young. The Welsh took him. Yep, I had, had him every me. other year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
always had good. Nunez for cheap speed every year, and this year it just didn't work out. And uh, yeah, he's tied. He already has tied his career high for stolen bases this year. Uh, Bogman, yeah. I, I, I'm actually curious. I don't know actually which way you're going to go with Slarte. I assume you've got to go the right way with Eduardo Nunez. I mean, we you, just you have to take you have to take Nunez. We just it had is. the conversation about the loss in stolen bases. That's the biggest thing to look right. at. Twenty two stolen bases on the se- season, hitting over three hundred. It's great what Slarte does. Both of them have position flexibility. I, I, they both can get you corner. They both can get you middle infield. Uh, Nunez has got the shortstop, which makes it a little bit more beneficial. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm going Nunez here just because you have to. Those are elite stolen base numbers in this league now. And he's got double-digit homers. It's ridiculous. He's one of those guys that I've, I've looked at, and I'm like, nah, he's going to fall off. Nah, don't buy it. Don't buy it. And how can you not? He's right. 12 homers and 22 stolen bases on the season. If he stopped right now, we would look next year and be like, what a great season Nunez ha- Nunez had, and he could stop yep. in July. Right, yeah. 12 homers, 22 steals already. I know. It's incredible. I just hope that he doesn't, you know, turn into a pumpkin or whatever like Gene Segura did the one year where he had the great half season, and then after that he was terrible. Oh, but I, yes, I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen to Nunez. But you have to take Nunez, like, like we said earlier, because of the stolen bases, how they're drying up. You know, they're like all of the water supply for the planet. They're drying up <laughs> all over the place. They're not going, you know, they're not coming to you anymore. I just, with this one, I just really wanted, because we didn't do waivers uh, this week, the Welsh, I really wanted to point out Yinger Versalarte and the little streak that he's been on, especially uh, this month. He's hitting 321. He's got five of his nine homers. He's driving in runs. Uh, he's scoring runs. So he's a good guy that you can add off of the wire if you're looking for, you know, a, a nice third baseman. And I think he qualifies, like the Welsh said, at second also. Oh, yeah, so, both former both former Yankees. Not like those guys could use either of them, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, I like the water drying up. It's an ad for Colorado, the Colorado River drying up on this next episode <laughs> of In This League. All right, go, go to the next one here. Uh, two popular outfielders. What's fun about this one, and uh, we'll start with you, Jason, was one of our ITL Army members, they were out at a, uh, a minor league game and, sit, and sat next to it's actually Peter Borges's father, who's a scout for the Padres. And mm-hmm. he was talking with him, and uh, they were you know talking about different Padres. He was congratulating on the Espinosa trade. And uh, this Army member, I won't divulge him, but he asked him, hey, what do you think about Kemp? Do you think they're going to trade Matt Kemp? And the scout just said, there's no way they can ever get anybody to eat that contract. Though that's not the conversation to have here. I just thought that was interesting. We are pitting Matt Kemp versus Yasiel Puig to uh, Kemp. Kim, not really a super popular outfield pick, but Puig definitely was in some circles. Jason, what do you think rest of season? Which outfielder would you rather have on your team, Kemp or Puig? Uh, I'd rather take Puig, uh, and I he's a guy that I have multiple shares of. In fact, one of the shares I have of him is in a 12-team NL-only league where I have to pay I have to pay $50 real money to break out of his contract. I took him in an expansion draft <laughs> when I joined the league this year, and his contract doesn't expire until 2018. Oh. Uh, that was That's the belief I had in Puig this year. And, and, uh, and of late— Work over 50 bucks, Jason. Get it uh, over with. New of late, he's actually getting there. You know, I've, going back to the last thirty days, things last thirty days, he's on base forty percent of the time. He's hitting three oh seven. The power hasn't been there yet; just two home runs, but he's driven in twelve, scored eleven. Those are really good numbers. Kemp, on the other hand, Kemp's doing what he used to do when he pissed off Dodger fans: two forty seven, <laughs> sub three hundred OBP, barely over four hundred, striking out uh, four times for every time he walks. And, and Puig's got a double digit walk rate and a sixteen percent strikeout rate. Right now, Puig's getting it getting it done. Maybe the power comes up a little bit. Right now, Puig, I'll take Puig. 
Uh, I'll take Puig the rest of the year. He's been doing it over the last month uh, now that he's back and healthy on the field. And let's hope it stays that way. Bo- Bogman's ready to go start a GoFundMe page to get Puig off of your team. Just get a bunch of <laughs> listeners to pay to get uh, Puig off of Jason's team. <laughs> Bogman, what do you think? Kemp or Puig rest of the season? I uh, kill myself, actually. <laughs> uh, I, 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 hate, I hate both these guys. Like, not, uh, well, I don't hate Kemp. I, I can't stand Puig, obviously. We all know that. But he is playing better right now. And Kemp is just trending downward. I mean, the power's still been there. Uh, he's got 18 bombs. He's driven in 61, which is nice. Uh, I'm going to take great. Kemp because I hate Puig so much. Really? I, I think that that's what I'm going to do. And I don't like it even a little bit. Uh, but by the way, the Welsh, uh, Peter Borges' sister is a bartender, like right down the street from me. Yeah, I, you, know, you know he's from Scottsdale. I, so. We the, the this person that I was talking to, who was talking to Borges' father, Borges, he's like, hey, he this scout, he's from uh, he's from Scottsdale, and he's like, oh, this is this is Peter Borges' dad, and I'm like, oh, this is great, yeah, exactly. Do we need to go visit uh, Sister Borges? Is what you're saying? Yeah. Where is this uh, yeah. fine establishment? Yeah, where is uh, this? <laughs> well, I don't want to blow up Peter uh, Borges' sister's, you know. Uh, stuff or anything but it's, it's a bar in my general area oh like, goldies okay I'll, great i'll tell i'll tell you guys when we're done it's not it's not goldies. okay okay that's you good. know i frequent i frequent scottsdale in november so are, uh, are you I going can, to the first this. pitch hell yes well you know we're here we're out here in scott so we're just waiting I live for about five minutes away from where it's going to be this year by the perfect. way perfect yeah perfect we're, i we're love that here. hotel they, they keep moving around the last couple of years but i i'm a marriott guy so i love the fact that it's back at a marriott this year but yeah i am uh i'll be on probably two panels this year speaking oh nice. really yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to uh sneak under a door and try to sneak in there and hopefully we can <laughs> all catch some uh, arizona uh fall league games with everybody that's what we wanted to but uh, aside from the borges family he's getting so much peter borges has never had this much run on a fantasy podcast <laughs> let alone the entire Although family he's been playing well and look at his numbers the last month. He's been putting up some sneaky, some sneaky numbers. If you're in a deep NL league, he's been getting some production for you. He it's has. only thirty dollars to break out of his contract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Might be cheaper to take his sister on a date. I don't know. But uh, uh, with these guys, I gotta go. Puig. You know, Kemp is not as scary as you would think. It's actually surprising. Only in a hundred less at bats, he has double the RBIs than uh, Yasuo Puig right now. Runs are in the same ballpark. It's really disappointing that Kemp doesn't run at all zero stolen bases i mean it's not quite as disappointing as like manny machado but zero stolen bases the average is about the same but at the end of the day i i've kind of been a puig supporter all season long to my fault that i do think he can turn around i think the power can have a return and he has some stolen bases you can get a little bit of sneaky stolen bases out of it and hopefully the dodgers are going to you know make maybe make some more moves maybe there's an offensive move that they can make at least they've They've bettered themselves from moving away from, uh, you know, the Carl Crawfords and they put some of the young, you know, the young guys in the lineup. So I'm going to go with Yasiel Puig. I feel much better about it than Matt Kemp, even though that power game is strong with Matt Kemp this season. Average about the same. Give me the Yasiel Puig rest of season. Bogman, what's our last one? The last one we have here is Chris Tillman versus Michael Fulmer. Why don't we start with you on this one, the Welsh? Then I'll go and we'll have Jason finish this off. Um, I'm just phrasing. I am uh, <laughs> just not gonna pick chris tillman uh on anything ever. <laughs> i've pretty you know steadfast that i didn't like him and in, in really in any but he's the one pitcher uh <sighs> he's the one good pitcher on the orioles <laughs> maybe this is eduardo nunez all over again but chris tillman every single season i've owned him like three years straight except for this season he's good for a stretch and then he gets blown up and i just don't want any part of it michael fulmer has been elite. He doesn't have... I'm looking at this right now. What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In his last 10 starts, he does not have an ERA over 225. He yeah, doesn't. he faced it, the Rays twice. 
He and maybe well does he have like three or four more starts? He has just been really good. The strikeout numbers have kind of leveled off a little bit. Obviously, he's going to level off a little bit, but he has stayed strong. Eight strong against Kansas City on the seventeenth. Give me Michael Fulmer, no doubt. Rest of season, no thanks on the Chris Tillman uh, train. Uh, yeah, I'm I I'm with you. You know, Chris Tillman is he he tends to blow up. Actually, this year he's been better. Then he usually has. Usually it's like he's bad and then he's good first. Dude, stretch. it's going to blow up. I, I'm telling you, because he hasn't had the mega blow up, he's going to blow up epically. Well, in June, have like his ERA was 519. So it, was, it wasn't a great June for him. He's, he's been much better through 21 innings in July with a 1.29 ERA. He's been good, but you get more strikeouts and less walks. And I just think more, uh, I think less risk from Michael Fulmer. So I'm going to stick with Michael Fulmer. What say you, Mr. Collette? This one's actually tough for me because I, about a month ago or so, one of the Rotowire columns I wrote, I said, go get Chris Tillman uh, because he was at a stretch of games where, you know, the shocker, he was allowing a lot of homers. If we look back to mid-May, you know, there was a homer. He went one, one, three, three. Then he had that seven innings of shutout baseball against Kansas City. Then he gave up another homer at Boston, two more to Toronto, uh, one to Tampa Bay. One to Seattle. So he's on his home run streak, and his home run to fly ball ratio was just stupid high. It was close to 30%. And I said, yeah, and as much as I have disliked Chris Tillman in the past, uh, he was a guy that I was recommending this year because you look at, there's a lot of safe indicators, plus that softball offense was going to supply plenty of run support. Well, it has this year. He's got 13 wins and 20 starts, and his ERA is 329. So that's been there. But what I said is, you know, he was getting some of those wins, but the ERA kept climbing and climbing and climbing because of the home runs. Last three starts, seven innings, seven innings, seven innings, zero home runs, zero home runs, zero home runs. Uh, three wins in each one of those. Uh, got a win in each one of those. Three wins in each start would be a record, but uh, he got a <laughs> uh, he got a win in each one of those outings. So he keeps enjoying that run support. And while the strikeouts, you, you know, they're not where where we've seen him in the past. It's a little lower. That's fine. Uh, and so if you bought low a couple of weeks ago and he was giving up that rash of homers, good for you. With Fulmer, it's been fun to watch. I jokingly said he's faced the Rays twice, but I think one of those was his first outing or second outing. It's one of the most dominating outings I've seen all year of the games I've watched. His stuff is filth. And now, I don't know how long he can hold up into the season um, and if they're going to start uh, going with a six-man rotation later on. But it, you watch him pitch. Uh, very bright future, and it's, it's fun to watch him pitch. I Honestly, I could go either way with this uh, because I worry about Fulmer slowing down a little bit as the season wears on, whereas, whereas Tillman has a shot at you know, a 20-win season. And for any of us who's owned him over the last five, six years, you're like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> where did this come from? This is the year I finally dumped the chump and he does this. He's got a shot at 20 wins. Oh. And, and, and in a year in the, in the American League where stuff's kind of all over the place, you're going to see his name in a Cy Young discussion. Oh. <laughs> oh. You truly sick. are. You are. disgusting, just, but you're going to see his down. name. Oh. You're going to see his name in a Cy Young discussion. Oh, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. That's so true. <laughs> you know, you're, you're totally right because it's going to be like AL Cy Young candidates and like the fifth one. For Chris Tillman. Fifth one will be, we, we got to talk about Chris Tillman. Remember the Bartolo Colon breakout when it's, he won his 20 game? He had that, that uh, 2004 for the Angels. He won that Cy Young. You're like, huh? Oh, it's just like when Ian Kennedy was second yeah. in the Cy Young vote. 21. Yeah. Well, you, well, you know, it means being in the same crowd as uh, Clayton Kershaw. What so. it all means, by the way, is that people are going to buy high on Chris Tillman next year. And he's going to implode. 
Right, just right like back. just like Jason said, you know, you avoid those guys. After they have a career year, they're going to go too high, and you avoid them. Exactly. Jason, which one did you pick? Did you pick Fulmer or Tillman? Did I miss this? said either guy. I, I couldn't pick. I have to. You, I, have, to, you yeah. have to choose. Got to choose. Tillman. Tillman. Boom. Okay. I love All it. All right. All right, hopefully he doesn't get blown up next round. I, I get it. Fulmer, Fulmer. This is, that's a tough one. I got, just for my own sake, Tillman, please don't be good the rest of the season. All right, <laughs> let's go do this. Uh, no halftime, the game. The No Halftime Battle, brought to you by No Halftime. Player-on-player challenges with the swipe of a finger. Download iOS or Android. Use promo code ITL for $10 free bonus. All right, guys, it's No Halftime, the game. It's the battle at nohalftime.com. You can check them out, download the app. You can do Maybe you could do Michael Farmer, Fulmer versus Chris Tillman if you'd like on the app. Go to win yourself some money. But how we do it here is uh, we do one pitcher, one hitter for the Wednesday slate of games. We pick those up. We didn't do it last week because it was All-Star Week. So, Bogman, let's do a little refresher. Where are we at in points? Well, we were terrible last week, the Welsh. Uh, Sonny Gray, for you, scored four and a half. Your hitter outscored Sonny Gray at six, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, well, mind I, you, mind you, mind you that uh, I w- it was we were a little cocky because I was so ahead of everybody. I closed my eyes and just picked right. a random person, and it landed on Sonny Gray. So just mind you that. Right, and I made up no ground at all because uh, Julio Tehran got rained out. That was going to be my pick, so I went with Michael Pineda, and uh, he scored me two and a half points. He was terrible. And then <laughs> Bryce Harper had eight, so I had the same ten and a half points you did. Uh, Matt. Great picks. He had Johnny Cueto. He'd taken Tehran, too, but he switched to Cueto, who scored 34 points, complete game, one run. Uh, Brian Dozier only three, so 37 for him. And even had Jacob deGrom at 21.5 and Bogarts at 4.5 to 26. So the standings look like this. The Welsh is still absolutely murderballing everybody, 324.5. But the guests have closed it to less than 10 points, 315. Bogman, 270. Listeners, 190. Not looking good for us. So, uh, you know, Colette, you, you, have a, you have a good pick here. You could put the guest ahead. It could. It's been a couple times this season. Guests, have, I think, have taken over a couple times, but it's all about the pitcher game. So let's do this. We're going to start with uh, – we'll start with the pitchers. I'm going to give the listener, and then we'll go to you, Jason, and then we'll pick ours. Listener is Alex Mosier, who's with the, just recently with the ITL Army. Congratulations, Lieutenant Mosier. Uh, he is picking Anthony Desclafani. That's an out-of-nowhere one, especially for listeners. Listeners usually love to go with the biggest name. Uh, Desclafani versus Atlanta. So I like that one. Jason, what do you think? Who's going to be your pitcher for the Wednesday slot? Late. I'm going with Kyle Hendricks versus the Mets. Oh, like it. The Mets offense that doesn't do much of uh, anything lately. I'm, uh, I I, I got to take Justin Verlander versus Minnesota. I'm looking for some strikeouts. I'm looking for a win. Minnesota's kind of reeling, just fired their GM, all that good stuff. Come on, Verlander, put a good one together. I need to get back in this. Okay, well, one thing I can definitely tell you uh, is pitchers that need to find their way just need to go against Arizona. You just need to come here to Phoenix, and you need to pitch against Arizona, and you will find your way. You want a secondary way? Even if you don't put up some great, uh, you don't have a low ERA, if the Diamondbacks put out Patrick Corbin, you're guaranteed to win. Well, guess what? All things are happening. Marcus Stroman, a ground ball pitcher. Remember, yeah, Bogman and I saw Carlos Martinez, ground ball pitcher, was fantastic against the Diamondbacks, win eight. I fully suspect Marcus Stroman to have a complete game shutout. 
versus the Diamondbacks. And Patrick Corbin is pitching, so guaranteed he will have a five-run lead. So give me Marcus Stroman uh, for many, many points. Let's go to hitters. I'll just give you mine. I am going on the inverse in you know in celebration of Jason. Uh, Chris Archer happens to be pitching on Wednesday because Chris Archer hates me. I am going to pick Carlos Gonzalez in Colorado. Hopefully he gets a bomb or two, even though that'll screw up all of my fantasy teams. Bogman, uh, who's your hitter? Well, Josh Donaldson's got that lefty Patrick Corbin that you mentioned. Oh, yeah. So uh, give me Josh Donaldson or give me death. That's what I say. Guaranteed two homers. Uh, Jason, what do you think? <laughs> I am going to go Starling Marte against Chase Anderson. Uh, he of the uh, the former Arizona Diamondback, Chase Anderson, who loves to give up home runs. And Marte's been hitting the ball hard lately. So I'm going to go there. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, Chase Anderson's not good at the game of baseball. So that's a fantastic one. <laughs> and then uh, Alex Mosier uh, going in with me. He's going with a Colorado hitter. Going with the often picked Nolan Arenado. Bogman, really at the end of the year, we should see who was picked most because I'm pretty sure it's Nolan Arenado has been picked more than any other player in this game, which is a no halftime Harper. game. Harper's been picked a lot too. Yeah, maybe I don't know if he has been picked lately. But, yeah, you might be right. They're probably close there. But it's nohalftime.com. You can check them out. And in this league.com, you can check out the scoring page we have for all of that. But mainly, you should be going to check out Jason Collette <laughs> on Twitter, at Jason Collette. You can find him at Rotowire, theprocessreport.net, and always listening uh, with our good buddies Eno and Paul Spohr on The Sleeper and the Bus. Jason, we appreciate you. You were on with us last year. Really good to have you back. We need to steal you more and take up more of your valuable time anytime we possibly can sneak you over. But thanks for coming on, dude. Hey, it was fun. I enjoyed it. All right, there you go. Jason Collette from the Sleeper on the Bus, Roto-Wire. Really, I mean, we did get two-thirds of the Sleeper on the Bus. We should, uh, let's get Paul Spore on. Here, hold on. Yeah, call him. Is that a rotary phone? Apparently, Paul has a callback music. Thank you for calling Sir Paul Spore's phone. It's about to get lit, so please hold. When talking to Paul, please do not look him in the eyes. Compliment his tie, and whatever you do, bring your A-game. Snitches gets stitches. Paul Sporer from Sleeper in the Bust. Dude, I mean, you know, we, we'd love to have you on all the time. We felt like we had to get you in here. I mean, what, what do you feel like, man? You had to get in. That dude gets it in as, as, as much as you can. All right, Paul, uh, we appreciate you being here. What do you feel like Justin Upton has been struggling? What kind of hole does he leave in that Tigers offense? I would try to fill another hole as well. Not, not, not like some gaping hole in my lineup. Paul, you always have great takes. Y'all keep saying that shit about how hot I am, I'm going to start believing Hey, Paul, it. what do you think Matt Harvey's really big issue was this season? That dude gets it in as, as, as much as you can. What do you feel about, uh, we know you're coming out here, obviously, for the first pitch. Uh, what do you feel about the Arizona Mexican food? How does that treat you? Gaping hole. Well, Paul, we always love all the amazing things that you say all across the internet about in this league and uh, all, and obviously all the great stuff you do. But just, you know, keep being beautiful and saying all the amazing things to everybody you meet about ITL. I, I don't even think I necessarily need to. You didn't have to prod me to, but I think the fact that you guys know that I've been listening to the podcast well before I was ever on it should kind of speak for itself, I would hope, uh, in terms of how much I, I like what you guys are doing. So th- there, you, you fished for it, which is fine. <laughs> But I think I was also, you know, obviously delivering it long ago when I reached out to you randomly and you were like, oh, you listen to the show? I'm like, yeah, duh. Okay, thanks, Paul. Thanks for the holes. So another hole as well. We'll see you later. That dude gets it in as, as, as much as you can. Bye. Gaping hole. All right, there you go. So now we got made it official. We got uh, all of the sleeper and the bust on the, <laughs> on the podcast. In no way were those 
old clips that happened no, on the show. No, no, not a chance. That was live Paul Spore. That was, yeah, 100% live, and no way was that recorded. All right, there you go. We appreciate Eno for uh, coming on, talking some stuff, uh, giving you that promo code for the book. Make sure to go check that out. Jason Collette for all his great takes. Uh, we got an episode coming for you next week. Make sure to check out the football podcast. That's one of the more important things to do. Make sure you go and sign up for that on iTunes. Give a rate and review. Make sure to join the discussion group. Uh, we haven't done it for a couple weeks. We've got to do it. The listener leagues are coming. You know, Everything's winded down. People are ready to get locked into their positions, so we're going to do some updates. Remember, someone's going to win a ring from OfficialFantasyRings.com, the best record with most points, and uh, the winner of each league is move on to our Champions League, so we're going to put some updates for that. And really, you just want to be a part of you want to be a part of anything. You want to join the ITL Army, which is really kicking up. we got a bunch of cool giveaways for football this year if you haven't already joined up, and baseball discussion is happening year-round. I just actually updated my prospect list, my Dynasty Minor League prospects, to 250. So if you have a Dynasty League and you're wanting that, I update that sucker uh, at least every couple weeks, and it's a list that you can work off of if you're looking for trades. It will help you. It's 250 deep. There's a tons and tons of great reasons outside of even just supporting us to join the ITL Army. But join the discussion group where you can get information on uh, you know some of the latest polls, stuff what's going on around ITL, as well as what's happening in the listener leagues. It's all happening, Bogman. Episode it's 88. Happening. It's the what was it? I already forgot. It was the bell, the Albert bell blanks, Bell's the bell blanks Koch episode. Yeah, bell blanks Koch. Right. I've already pre-done it, by the way, before you do it. There's nobody that has ever worn 89. So maybe we can hope someone will be called up to wear 89. <laughs> All right, there you go. That is the Bregman. episode. Uh, maybe Bregman will do it, and I'll hate him forever. <laughs> hate him forever. Bell Blanks Koch, we love you very much. Thank you to all of the Sleeper in the Bust and Robot Paul Sporer. Uh, we will see you again next week, episode 89. Peace out. Play up. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.